Extra, extra. Read all about it. Area Man Creates Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first ever episode of a podcast I'm calling Area Man. Inspired by the old Onion references. Uh, It's also the first piece of content on Slab Network, which is just a YouTube channel at this point. Uh, Slab's something I decided to create to sort of curate um, just sort of raw, honest content that's made by the average schmo. With the idea that, you know, all this produced news and all this other stuff is starting to feel very rehearsed, artificial, and insincere. And I hope Slab becomes a place for content that's the complete opposite of that. Uh, at any rate, um, Area Man's the first um, content that we're putting on Slab. Uh, it's a podcast hosted by me, Eric. And the very first guest is Dr. Mark Holder. Mark is somebody who I've known since, really, we go back to middle school. We played football together in high school. He probably was the best football player I ever played with. Uh, My brother would probably argue that, Uh, but Mark was awesome. He hit hard, and he was a wild man and fearless and all those things that made a great football player in the mid-'90s before we knew anything about CT and all that stuff, of course. Um, But as close as uh, Mark and I were as teammates, I didn't really know a lot about his life before Minnesota and uh, never really you know, knew what he did after high school. So to call his friends would have been a stretch, right? Um, Facebook, of course, brought us back together a little bit, and I got to know him even more during this podcast, which we recorded sort of at the height of the George Floyd uh, stuff that was going on. So he was a perfect first guest um, from the medical standpoint and all the COVID stuff, and as an African-American to talk about uh, what was going on with George Floyd and still is going on. So... I was honored that he sat down and was courageous enough to talk about sensitive things, especially when, you know, obviously there's no listeners when you start something like this um, right out of the blue. So it was fun. I hope you guys enjoy it, and there'll be more episodes, hopefully, to come. Dr. Mark Holder, enjoy. Oh, yeah, I'm at work. I just didn't go home. I think it may be quieter year. Okay, cool. Yeah. That was better conversation. For sure. And I can hear you pretty good, too. Can you hear me pretty good? Yeah, you sound good. Okay. Yeah, I got the microphone Perfect. up. So, all right. Well, listen, man, I, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I know you're a busy guy. Um, you know, my, <clears throat> you know, I think I think what I'll do is, uh, first, first of all, I want to keep this casual. That's the idea here. Like, this isn't a formal interview or anything like that. I think I told you that maybe over Facebook Messenger. But, you know, the idea here is just to have a conversation. Um, and I'm not going to lie to you. I'm kind of nervous because I feel like this is, I feel like it's a really important conversation to have, you know, Yeah, um, I think so too. I've seen, uh, you know, in the last week I've seen, I've seen a lot of posts. I've seen a lot of, uh, statements. I've seen a lot of emotion. I've seen a lot of snark. I've seen a lot of, you know, I think manipulation. I think the media is manipulating things, but I haven't seen a lot of conversation. And I yeah. think, I think, uh, 
I think conversation might be one of the keys to figuring this stuff out more so than just a social media fucking sucker punch. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. Don't get me wrong. I'm as good as anybody at sucker punching on social media, but it's too easy. It's easy to do. And I think that's, I think that's a lot of what's going on right now. So, um, and I think you're the perfect guy to have the conversation with. Thank Uh, you. Um, you know, I, I actually, I actually, when COVID kicked in, I was like, you know what? I think I should do a podcast with Mark because as a doctor, you'd be the right guy to talk to about what's, you know, what's, uh, what's real, what's not real, what to believe, what not to believe. But, um, now I feel like it's even more important to talk to you than ever. So, um, maybe real quick before we dive in, if you want to give some background, I mean, I know you as maybe. I was going to say the best football player I ever played with, but I don't know if my brother would appreciate me saying that. <laughs> uh, so, that, I mean, to me, you're, you're one of the best football players I ever played with. Um, but, be, you know, after high school, I don't, I don't really, I, I don't know much about your story before that. And I don't know anything about your story after that. So if you, I mean, if you can kind of catch me up and just for anybody who listens to this, they get a sense of who you are and how you got to where you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I'm just I'm gonna go way back before yeah. me because you know I'm originally from Liberia, and Liberia has some interesting history because Liberia was really founded by freed Black Americans that went back to Africa, um, um, basically to formulate a nation run by Black people. So how it, how it started off, you know, there were three groups that kind of came together and formed what is called the American colonialist society. And those groups was like the Puritans, you had freed slaves, and then you had separatists that were really afraid of black people getting power and being freed in, in America because there was a revolt in Haiti, a huge slave, slave revolt, and they were afraid that it may come to our shores. But anyway, these three groups came together, formed American colonialist society under the Monroe Doctrine. And, um, basically presented to Congress to give us some funding to put these free Africans back in, these free blacks back in Africa. Um, so they went, it went through, they went, they went down to, to what is now called Liberia, but you know, initially when it went, half of them died from malaria, etc. but they went to Liberia and then when they got there, the blacks that were there were like, we don't want a governor anymore. You know, we don't want a white governor. We want to run our own country. So makes sense. They, so, <laughs> so they decided to have their own country. So when when Liberia first became a country, which was recognized by France and England, I think, um, they were the first black nation, the first black republic. The only other nation, black nation, that was run by black people was Ethiopia at the time, and which has never been colonized or never defeated by Europeans. But anyway, so Liberia was the first black nation so i mean republic excuse me so because of that blacks from all over the world flooded to liberia for example my father's people are holders they're from barbados and they left barbados to go to liberia because they heard about what was going on my father's grand my father's grandfather yeah they heard that that there's black people running the country my mother's family was actually from south carolina and he was the free black, uh, my, my, my great-great-grandfather um, was a free black man in South Carolina. Apparently he was a businessman and the KKK came, KKK came and burned his house down. So he grabbed his family, he left. He left with 
my great great grandfather um, and moved to Liberia with his family. And basically, so Liberia is like a compilation of people that chased after freedom, and that was like, yo, forget about these white people. We're doing it our way. And, and it went it went fairly well for a long period of time. In 1980, which kind of circles and it has to do with my my history, and that's why I kind of tie that in. In 1980, at the time, my grandfather was the president of Liberia. His name was William Richard Talbert Jr. He was the president of Liberia. Of Liberia, absolutely. Okay. So so he was assassinated April 12, 1980. Um, I mean, a lot of different fractions going. I mean, a lot of the story's huge, but basically, he was really advanced and. I think internal and external pressures, if you know what I mean, had to do with his demise. Okay. And where were you living? Where were you living in 1980? I was in Liberia. You were in Liberia. Okay. Okay. I was two and a half, almost three years old. Okay. Now, the thing is, is that when my grandfather was president of Liberia, the dollar, the U.S. dollar to Liberia was one to one. And now it's 200 to one. Meaning one U.S. for two hundred dollars. Oh. I think that's kind of an interesting fact to know. But so at this two, two years of age, at two and a half or three, my they were basically trying to exterminate my family in Liberia. Um, a few of my uncles were killed. My grandfather was definitely assassinated. A few of your um, uncles were killed, so they were assassinated as well. Oh, absolutely. My father was put in political imprisonment for a while, and what does that mean? It means he was locked up and tortured for a couple of years. Wow. But, but, then, but then he was freed. He was freed after that. But but the, the reason why I even mentioned that at all is that that time of my life was a time when I was I was separated from my mother because my mother was under house arrest. And after that time is when I began stuttering because before I was talking, I never stuttered, but I started stuttering after that. And that kind of it had an impact on my life to a certain extent. So but we stayed in Liberia because my mother refused to leave with my father was in political imprisonment. Sure. But in 1985. He was he was out in 1982 or three, but 1985, my mother got an opportunity to with the Hubert Humphrey program. So we came to the states, New York first, then we went to then we moved to Minneapolis when I was eight years old. Um, okay. Started in Minneapolis and then um, moved from Minneapolis to Golden Valley. My father, you know, then he moved permanently after like war broke out in Liberia again, um, and then we moved to Plymouth. So I might have gotten lost in the story a little. No, bit. I mean, well, I have a, I have a, I have a couple questions because I think that's important because I mean, we're talking about, I mean, everybody's childhood shapes them, but we're talking about, you know, really extreme circumstances in your life at a young age. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's oh, yeah. that's incredible, and I feel a little, uh, I'm a little embarrassed that I don't know any of this, having gone to high school with you. But maybe, maybe that speaks to sort of what we're we're going to get to, which is like the insulated nature of white suburban life i mean i never asked you about any of this stuff and and yeah. i certain I, ca- I remember hearing things about you coming from um <laughs> like african royalty and i remember it just being like a cursory conversation but i don't remember having a conversation with you about it um can were you in contact with your dad during the time that he was imprisoned or he was no because so i was a kid so i, I mean i was like three years old he came from prison when i was five years old Okay, and that was the first time I saw my dad since two and right. a half right, when he left, and so we, we weren't. But then when we first moved to the states, when, even when we lived in Golden Valley, um, my father was going back and forth. He went okay. back and forth, so, and, and this is when I was at Sandberg. When I was at Sandberg, 
Sandburg Middle School. I went to Sandburg for two and a half years before I moved to Plymouth. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's yeah. kind of what I did. So I, I did sixth and seventh grade in Sandburg, and then I moved to Plymouth. And then I went to, to Plymouth Middle School. But I started playing football in like the seventh yeah. grade. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting that your your mom fled South Carolina for freedom. I mean, that that's no, that's, but it, it, it was actually her parents. So it was her. It was my mother's grandfather that fled South Carolina. But this was in the 1800s. I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, that's just it speaks volumes though about oh, yeah. the way things were because oh, I, I mean, sure. to, to leave the United States to go to Liberia and then have to come back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, to, yeah. to to kind of flee again. And I, I think that that's what makes it really interesting, this whole story. So I mean, I'll, I'll speak a little bit about when I started playing football, because what football really meant to me was an opportunity to hit mm. legally or, 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 or actually to get praised for it. Were you angry? So, Did you an angry kid? Um, I, I, I wouldn't say I was angry because, I mean, nobody would actually classify me as that, but I was ready for a fight. You like that? Yeah, yeah, I was ready for a fight. And I think that because of my upbringing and and kind of some of what um, how I looked at authority, you know, because you know after the coup d'état in Liberia, you know, we had to kind of not talk about our last names and and I thought that authority was such, you know, we're not really good leaders per se. I think I had that type of image, but I think football was, you know, it was an opportunity for me to hit, and I did well in football and I played football and. And then I stopped playing football. Like, I, I got a football scholarship to Mankato State okay. after high school, and I was supposed to go. And I think the coach made me upset because, um, you know, he, he was calling me, like, every single day, like, two, three times a day before I signed. But then right when I signed, I, I called him. I didn't get in touch with him for, like, three and a half weeks. So, so by the time he called me, I was like, look, hey, coach, I'm not going there anymore. And he said, he said, what? I said, no, I'm not, I'm not going there anymore. I'm, I'm fine. I'm not, going, I'm not going to Mankato State anymore. And he said, well, you know, you're aware that if you, if you don't uh, come here, you have to waive your first year of football anywhere because you can't play. You had signed a letter of intent. Yeah. yeah. I said, I don't care. I, I, I said, I don't need football anymore. I'm good. You know? <laughs> and, and then I went to the U and I went there the pre-med. Did you try to walk on? You try to walk on and play, or no? No, no, I didn't did even, not. You didn't even consider it. No, no, I did not. You know, for me, I love football. So even years later, I would think about it like, man, I should go. I should just walk somewhere and just, just yeah. get them. But, but um, you know what's funny is it when we played. I don't remember thinking that playing at a big time school was an option. I don't. I don't remember it being a realistic goal. Um, I didn't even consider it. And and I'm not saying I was good enough, but looking back on it, I mean, you were an all-conference football player, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure you were all-conference. I mean, I was all-conference, all-state, yeah. all-national. Yeah, okay. So the idea of you going on and getting a scholarship at a big school, I mean, nowadays that would be, if not a given, it would be at least a goal. But I don't remember that being part of the conversation at all back then. Um, and then, you know, the year after us, Dag and Adam walked on at Madison. And I remember, yeah. I remember being like, oh, shit. I didn't even know that that was even in the realm of possibility as yeah. far as playing at the next level. And I, I guess what I'm saying is that were you in that same boat? Did you even, did you even think of yourself as good enough to maybe, cause it's, it's hard for me to imagine you walking on to the university of Minnesota and them saying, uh, no, we don't want an all state football player from our backyard. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, a lot of things were going on with me at that time. And, and I, I always thought I could play professional football. Oh, really? I mean, I, I had that. I mean, 
So I you was, had that as a that was realistic to you, or I mean, I mean or at least a goal. It was actually a, a, a realistic goal to me. And when I decided I wasn't going to play football, it was the first time I actually studied. Like I got straight A's my senior year of high school, the first time ever hmm. in my whole my whole life. All very colorful before then. And it's because <laughs> very colorful. <laughs> and my parents used to kill me about it because I have an older sister that's like near genius. You understand? Okay. Okay. And so they'd be like, look at her grades. Hey, look yeah. at your grades. Colorful. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of things went on, happened to me around my senior year time. It's for one, we lost to St. Cloud State that year. Oh. Oh. And, and I never really forgot my, forgive myself about that because that day I didn't have my contacts on. And I just, I put this big weight on my shoulders. Like if I had my contacts, I wouldn't have, I'd have done so much better. And we probably wouldn't have lost the, 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 the game because it was a close game. If you remember. Yeah. We should have beat them. Well, definitely. And I'm, and I'm kind of still you know, a little sad about myself. And What's that. funny is I kind of remember now that you say that I remember your contacts being an issue. I remember it being like some drama. I completely I, had forgotten about that. I couldn't see who had the ball. Yeah. It's crazy. It was bananas. Anyway, I think that happened, but then the other thing that happened, and I realized from that coach not calling me back from three weeks, that football wanted to use me, and they were going to use me just like another slave for their benefit for like four years or three years or two years, however long. Even when I got, if I did get into NFL, I was going to be another black athlete, and he would be cool while he's sure. saying yes, massa, but you know. Jordan was the best was the best basketball player ever. And he, after doing all he did, got in so much drama about gambling and all these different things that he couldn't really be his own man when he wanted because that's his money. Yeah. And so I think that those those type of issues and actually um, the kind of the, some of the stigma that goes around with black athletes in sports i didn't want to play in that realm and i thought i didn't have to that's a pretty that's a pretty in that's a pretty in tune thought to have at 18 years old in 1995 i mean i think nowadays you you see a lot more young people who are a lot more aware for a lot of reasons but in 1995 for you to have that perspective um i think that would have been unique yeah i I think it was i mean i mean um I, I think it was something unique, but I was really convinced that it wasn't it wasn't the right path for me um, in the long run. You know? Did so, your parents? What what was your parents' opinion on that at the time? My, my parents they never liked football. I don't know if you remember. My, you no, you I never didn't. saw my parents at a game. Really? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. My my, my, my father was more of an academic. You know, my father was international lawyer, trained in England and Harvard. Um, so Sounds he, like a pretty smart he, guy. <laughs> he, he, used, he worked. He worked. So he, this is a cool story. So my father worked for the president, and that's how he met my mother, the president's daughter, and kind of that's how they got together. Oh, okay. yeah, he worked for. He was just a speechwriter, and he was a minister of, of different things. My grandfather kind of flipped him around because he trusted him. But so my dad used to say, like, you're playing games. All these sports, this is games. Wow. You need to be doing your homework. Like, get better grades. Um, he didn't so, see any. Va- he didn't see any value in the. You know, I don't know the teamwork or or the or the preparation or the the goal setting or any of that. I, I don't think. I mean, he looked at it as like. But my father's much older than me too. So my father had me at 48. Oh wow. Yeah. So by the time I was in high school, 
what, my father was near 60. Yeah, well, no, yeah, he would have been in his 60s. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was in his yeah. 60s, yeah. He was in his 60s, he's probably near 70. Is he still um, alive? No, he, he passed, passed away, away in 2018, yeah. Oh, just a couple of years ago. Sorry to hear that. Absolutely. You know, now, he, he went to be with the king. Yeah? He went to be with the king, so okay. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. So, so then, so I went to the U, and after that, I, I did a few years at the U, applied to med school, got accepted in a few schools. Um like you know four of them to be exact but i actually chose to go to morehouse school of medicine i think i chose that particularly because it was it's it was like a uh it has kind of like a black university type of okay. thing and okay. kind of tired of being here in minnesota in this type of environment i much i much rather more colorful environment so, so, so I went to school at Morehouse School of Medicine, and, and they focus on primary care. Um, and then I went to did my residency at University of Miami in Miami, Florida. Um, and then I started working in Miami. Okay. What was my was Miami very diverse? Um, there's not a more diverse place than I've ever been to in my life, Miami. Really? Not now. The thing. Oh, Miami. I've never been. No, I never have. We, we have to change that area. <laughs> Are you gonna take me down there? Okay. <laughs> we we have to change that, and I think it's it's very diverse um, for people all over the world. Um, a very unique city too, because it's in Florida. Florida's in the South, so you know in Miami, Miami's like another country almost. And but if you drive like two hours away from Miami, two hours north or west, even to a certain extent, northwest, I don't know, three hours, four hours five hours you're in the deep south um and i think it it means something to people that are driving of course but it means something to me too because so after i finished residency a year after residency um i was working in palm beach county and i i was making good bread i'm talking about i, I didn't even imagine making this type of salad but i was working really hard like 12-hour shifts, 10 to 12 shifts in a row, etc. And then I woke up in a hospital, but I didn't know I was in a hospital, but I woke up with a, with a tube down my throat. I was intubated, and I was strapped down to a hospital bed. I was a bit confused, didn't, didn't know what was going on. Um, but I tried to be quiet because I had the impression that I was being murdered or detained for murder or something like that. What gave, you that, what gave you that impression based on... Because, because the last thing that I remembered was I was being shot at. I was being shot with something. But to, to make a long story short, I wasn't being shot. I was actually being tased. Okay. And I was apparently, apparently, you heard the story from my mother and those around me at the time. Apparently, I was driving in late, late in the early in the morning, I should say, in Palm Beach County, in Boca Raton, to be exact. And I had a seizure while I was driving and I hit an embankment. And when I hit an embankment, apparently, there was a driver in the car that told the cops he had a seizure while I was driving. Um, apparently I got out of the car and I was walking around the car and the police were saying that they wanted me to put a neck collar around my neck and lay on a stretcher and I refused 
and they tried to do so, and they could not, apparently. And so they started tasing me, and they tased me 15 times. And Jeez. apparently I went down, and um, apparently they kicked me, punched me, slammed my head in the ground and all that because I was bleeding all over my brain, bleeding in my lungs, wow. rotator cuff. Um, and, and I know one of them punched me in the face for sure because he broke his wrist on my face, and he went to another hospital. Wow. And and the nurse that was managing his wrist was a nurse that I worked with in the clinic I worked at. Um, but anyway, so I woke up in this coma, and I tell this story because it's so it's so pertinent to what what's going on here, and it's right. so powerful, uh, kind of like the power of racism. Because you know, a lot of a lot of white people are scared of the word word racism um, because they they would rather not think about it, bury it all that but it's it's heard of a white doctor being um but but the interesting thing is so the the investigator called my mother about 15 to 16 hours after it happened to me and said hey uh dr hola how did your how does your son have the type of car he drives and he's wearing a rolex and he's only 30 years old um is he a drug dealer and my mom said no he He's a physician. And the, the investigator said, he told us that, but we didn't believe him. But wow. anyway, to, 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 move, to move the story on a little bit more, and then I, and I know... What, ca- what caused your seizure? What caused the seizure? And, 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 and yeah, I think, I'll tell you in a minute, because three months later, the police officers filed criminal charges against me for possession of Adderall, fraud to get the Adderall, um, Etc. So what had caused my seizure was sleeplessness and, and the use of Adderall. And I was using Adderall without a prescription, just to be transparent about it. Um, and I wasn't sleeping. Well, you you and about everybody I've ever hung out with. So I don't. Yeah. I mean, that's. I don't know that that's a crime. <laughs> I mean, if it's well, a crime, it, then I know a lot of criminals. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's criminal. And it's caused me a lot of problems behind the fact. But so they filed these criminal charges three months later because they only did the criminal charges so that they could stop my countersuit. Because the time they filed the criminal charges, I had a lawyer saying, "Why were there seven police cars on the scene, and all of your cameras malfunctioned?" Oh wow! There was there were seven police cars on the screen, and there were more than. 15 officers that were there and all the the cameras malfunctioned the same night the same time it's pretty amazing but 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 they but they won with that and also to a certain extent i got to the point place where i thought that fighting backwards was not the best thing for me what do you Um, mean fighting backwards what do you mean like trying trying to sue them and all of that and i got to a place where because the charges were dismissed the charges were all dismissed okay the the arrests uh, were expunged off my record. Okay. But you know, before that happened, you know, you know, the the police had reported to the board, and that caused a lot of drama. Sure. I mean, it, it was it really was. Did you think you were, were? Did you feel like you were in danger? I mean, once you once you were fined physically, did you feel like you were in danger of 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 ruining a career? Did you feel like that was uh-huh. in jeopardy at all? Oh, absolutely. Because so so I mean. When those charges were sent to the Florida board, um, the Florida board was, was calling me to come and show up on the board. I said, yo, I'm not really fit. Give me some time, whatever. They didn't give me any time. They just incorporated the police complaint directly into the Florida board. So Florida took action against my license. So yeah, absolutely had 
significant effect on mm-hmm. on my profession. My, but I, you know, things things worked out. So I went to the Florida board, explained what happened. They gave me a, a, a licensure, a temporary licensure there with conditions. As soon as the charges were dismissed, I moved to Minnesota. But then when I applied for my Minnesota license, the same things that were on the Florida board popped up again. So I had to hire another lawyer to deal with that. And of course, now I'm practicing with with an unconditional license and everything. My license is completely fine, but but that process from 2008 to what was it that entire to now, you can't imagine the amount of headache and labor that has gone into that process. Did you ever have to? Did you ever look those cops in the eye? Any of them? I mean, did you ever did you ever um, meet any of them in the process of, of fighting this? Did you ever see them in a courtroom? Did you ever see them in a hospital? Did you ever see them? No, I mean, not that I know of, because I never sued them. And the the case that they had against me never got to court. Um, it was dismissed before it got to court. Um, I have all their names, but it's not like I try to reach out to them. I mean, you know, all, all the things that I figured one day, one day it still happened that I'll, I'll roll the Palm Beach and I'll drop them off some, some bagels, coffee and something to say, you know, <laughs> thanks, hi. <laughs> I mean, you know, but 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 I don't have any animosity either. No, because because I've gone through the process I've gone through um, as far as on a personal journey. Like this was the hardest thing for me ever that I've ever done. I've, you know, but through that process, I actually surrendered my will to the will of my Father. Okay, Jesus. So okay. So I mean, for me, it made all of that kind of valuable from that standpoint. It's made me a better person, and it's made made me a better physician as well. Because now I can relate to some of the pain my patients have. I've actually been in the ICU. I don't even know how many patients have been in the ICU. I don't know of another doctor that's been in the ICU for sure. Um, and I think I can empathize a little differently. Now I think how it's affected me on a different level is like when I see what that officer did to Floyd and put his knee on his neck. Mm-hmm all this time period it, it kind of it opens up some of my wounds and, and, and kind of um, floods um, my my emotions start to get filled up with the idea that uh, things will not change if we certainly keep doing the same thing so this situation with George Floyd has brought you right back to what happened to you. Yeah, but it's not only George Floyd. I mean, I mean, you, you've been on social media. I mean, this situation, this the, the lynching of black men has been happening for 400 years. And, and now it's on camera. It's been on camera for the last seven or eight years. So what's different about George Floyd, do you think? That's, you know, I have my theories, but what do you think is different about what happened to George Floyd that, that we're seeing this kind of reaction? Well, um... I think human human behavior and capacity is very interesting. So that I think that um, the people can deal with certain things for a certain amount of time. Because let me tell you, I don't think George Floyd is is worse than than you remember this guy that was running from the cops not too long ago. In Georgia, and they yeah. shot him in, and they shot mm-hmm. him in the back. Mm-hmm. It's not much different from that. It's not much different from this guy that was in St. Paul Castillo that was in his car. And the, the cop asked him to get his uh, his license to carry or something. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the cop just just exploded. Yeah. I mean, yep. it's all cocaine. 
It's all the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's all the same thing that's doing it, but but, but so I think that it's not much different from those things. I think the George Floyd situation is unique from the fact that this guy was actually suffocating somebody and he's crying out for his mother. Yeah, it's intimate. And, and, and he's saying, please, I can't breathe. Everything hurts. Don't kill me. Mm-hmm. Don't kill me. Don't kill me. But you know what I'm also surprised at? That people stand around and watch that happen. I'm surprised that the person's taking the video stands around and lets that happen. I've put myself, haven't you put yourself in their shoes? Because I have thought about that. Watching that video, it's like everything in me as a parent, as a human wants to run in there and push that fucking cop off of them. But then you go, okay, am am I worried that then I'm in some sort of breach of whatever the process is and I'm going to end up getting tased or I'm going to end up being, uh, you know, I don't know, part of the situation. I mean, yeah, 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 you might, but I think George, George Floyd would be alive. Yes, he would, and I'm sure he would have appreciated it. But so, but it does speak to the psych. It does speak to the psychology of the situation, and maybe the way we're all we're all kind of conditioned to trust cops or trust. You are. I shouldn't. Yeah, I was going to say. I shouldn't. <laughs> say, I shouldn't. Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't say we all are. But yeah, yeah, you are. I, I, but but I, let, I let's be let's I be honest. I don't trust police officers. I mean, I love I love police officers. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I hate order. Yeah. Yeah, but don't get me I, wrong. I, I I haven't had a loving relationship with cops either. It's been a different kind of animosity. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm getting kicked out of parties yeah. and trying not to get under underage drinking tickets when I'm in college. I I never had to worry about being profiled or anything like that. So yeah, uh, but, but, but I want to be really clear, really quick. I do not hate police officers, and actually, I respect the work that they're doing. But, but what I do not like is the fact that when an officer kills a person. We have court systems to take people to trial, so we don't need officers assassinating people in the street. So when officers kill people, I think they should be held accountable to killing people just like everybody else. Sure. And I think that when they kill white people, they're held accountable, but when they kill black people, they are not. I mean, you can cherry pick. Yeah, and I think you can cherry pick situations where that's not the case. Um, But it seems like you know, with you know that Justine Damon situation which was, I don't know, a year or two ago. I lose track of time, but uh, she was a white woman who was basically executed point blank yeah. by, I don't know if it was an African-American cop or if it was a... I think he was Somalian. Somalian, maybe. No, I think he's, he's ex- doing 12 years. He's doing 12 years. Yeah, 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 but, yeah but, but because because it's a white woman. But, but let me tell you something. He didn't execute her. Well, you know he what was I'm in saying. A, he, he was in a car and she, she approached yep. the car. Yep, and he freaked out. Okay, but, but I, think, I think that's a different... I mean, that's a completely... I'm not trying to condone that either because I think that we should be careful when we pull triggers because when you pull triggers, right. you can't get it back, right? right. Um, but but I think that's a different situation. He didn't ex- what happened to Florida is an execution. Yes, yes. What happened to Castillo is an execution. And, and by the way, each one of them have a hundred variables that are there unique to their own. That's the other thing I don't I don't want to get into the habit of like of broad brushing all this stuff. That's what we end up doing, and because it, yeah. it's not that. You know, the George Floyd situation is is its own situation for a million reasons. But I think like we talked on the phone a couple days ago, um, it it feels it feels different to me because it's not a gun. And and again, I, I'm saying all this from a white man's perspective. And I understand that now in this culture that. Fuck, every time I open my mouth, I feel like I'm reinforcing some stereotypes about being white and and my insulation and all this other stuff, but but to me, 
for whatever value that has to me, to my, you know, my perspective, it feels like it's more intimate because it wasn't a gun. It feels like, and I think people are reacting to the visuals. You mentioned something about visuals the other day too, and how important visuals are. I, I think the visuals here are, they're so fucking emotional. They're, they're so, um, they're so disturbing. It kind of reminds me of like, remember when Ray Rice was in an elevator and he, he got physical with his girlfriend? Yeah. Yeah. We heard stories like that for years and years and years and years and years about white football players, black football players, athletes of all kinds who roughed up their girlfriends, roughed up their mistresses and very little ever happened. Well, there was a, there was a, uh, security camera footage of that incident. And that was the end of Ray Rice. Yeah. And it was because there was video. It was because we could sit down, watch it on a loop, have an emotional reaction, a visceral reaction, and it, it was more tangible because it wasn't just relayed through an indictment or, or through a news anchor's lips. It was like we, yeah. we could watch this. And so that, that creates another level of, of, of intensity. And with George Floyd, it's like it's, it's, on, an even, it's on an even more intense plane because there is no gun involved, this is like yeah. a, this is intimate. It's yeah. a, it's, it's essentially a strangulation, and it's three on one. Which, by the way, if we ever saw three on one in a schoolyard, mm-hmm. your instinct would would be to go help the one person because you're talking about three on one. Especially and then, you, say that again. Especially if he's dying, yeah. Well, especially if he's dying. Yeah. yeah. And 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 then you throw in him calling for his fucking mom. I mean, he's calling for his mom. Yeah, it's intense. It, it's it's as intense as it gets. Yeah, yeah, it's intense. And, and 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 so to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, and you can correct me if I'm naive, and you can tell me that that I've got, you know, a really limited perspective because of my white experience. But to me, it feels it feels different because of those factors. Yeah, and I I think that, I mean, that. That's kind of like a slow murder, right? I mean, you know, it's kind of a slow murder that's on tape. I think it ends up being much different than like Tamar Rice that they rolled up and just shot. Um, right. Then all these different because they rolled up and just shot him, and I think it's easy to forget a clip that's that's you know that's like twenty seconds instead of one that's like eight minutes. Um, yes, it's more personal. But I also think that you know I know for me that whenever I hear about these things, and I'm not standing alone. Um, I I know that there's a serious visceral response. There's a serious visceral response to another lynching, and I call them all lynchings because they're public murders without consequence. And I think this officer, this Derek Chadron or whatever, Chadron or whatever, um, that killed Floyd, he had his hands in his his hand in his pocket. Mm-hmm. So he, he, I mean. I'm glad. I'm glad it's second degree murder, you know. Um, and I'm glad that that. Will you will, will you reiterate to me what you said on the phone um, when we talked on what is it Thursday on Tuesday about what a body does when it starts to die and how you know? Because I think that was really powerful when you told me that because it, it speaks to the police officers. I mean, I don't want to put thoughts in his head, but that he probably was aware of the state of George Floyd. Certainly. As, there's not a doubt. There's no doubt in my mind he knew that man was dying. And he did not care. Because, so, what I talked about is that when, when a human being is losing life, there's a struggle for life. 
you know, you, you start, you may shake. Um, he certainly was talking about his stomach is hurting. His nuts are hurting. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, my head hurt, my neck hurt, everything hurts, you know. Blood coming from um, orifices. Blood coming from orifices, they, they may start to twitch or shake. So I think that it's a powerful thing, you know, as far as, and even the guy's poise, he knew that he was hurting somebody, he just didn't care about it. Um, you know, I think, you know, ultimately, you know, you kind of go circles about these things, but I think ultimately the solution for this, it seems to me, is rewriting um, the paradigms that people have in their minds. So, so right now, you know, race is... No small task. Race is fictitious. And, and the, the thing is, I don't really... See, in Liberia, when I came to the U.S., I never, I never knew anything about race, actually. The first time I learned about race, I was probably seven years old. Uh, no, I was eight years old. I was in school in Minneapolis, and I got into, like, a verbal fight with a kid. And he called me a nigger. And I said, you're a nigger. And he said, no, you're a nigger. I said, you're a nigger. He said, I can't be a nigger. I'm not black. And that was the first awareness that that there existed this thing because you know, we lived in a different type of world, you know, mm-hmm. um, that it wasn't, you know, it, there wasn't this kind of strong differentiation of what's black and what's white. I thought I was just abusing him. But, but I think the, but the point I'm trying to make, though, is, I mean, tr- trying to classify people according to the melanin in their skin may be as felonious as trying to classify them by the color of their eyes. Um, I mean, I think the, the, the Nazi may, may have tried to do both, see how smart they were. But, but, but the thing is, is I think that it's that felonious. And the reason why I say that is because it's not scientific. And I mentioned this to you earlier that, you know, I, I know Indian people from East from India, India, actually East Indian people, Indian people from India, that are darker complexion than me, but yet, but yet they have straight hair. But we call them Asian. But their eyes are big and oval. Mm-hmm. Oval eyes. They're not slanted like, like p- people we classically think of Asian, and they're not considered black either. And I also said that, you know, my my children, my children are biracial, and. Both of my children have more in common with their mother and a white person than they would somebody from South Sudan. Or in terms, in terms of their appearance, you mean? Appearance, certainly. Like more in their appearance. Their appearance looks very. They're very European. I mean, my ancestry is, is very mixed as well, but um, look very European features. Um, I know we look at the physical aspect of things. Um, I think I do think that you know there are differences within communities based on cultures, but everybody has, has a heart. Everybody uses red, you know, red blood cells. I think part of what the whole creation of race was to do is to keep, to give value to one race and to devalue another race. And this is what's going on now. So, I mean, I guess my, my, my thing is, so to change that paradigm, what it, what it does is it has to be reprogramming. And it's not going to happen to us, to us, but that's okay because we're all dying. But but but, but we can do it for our kids and for our kids' kids, particularly through media. Is what I think. Okay, so <laughs> it it it's not going to be a quick process. We know that. No, no. When you when you, I mean that's a, that's a to change the paradigm. Okay, let me just let me just tread carefully here. So. 
we have 400 years of damage done to the relationship. Let's say it, let's say it, right? Let's just put it that way. I mean, it's, that's a really simple way of putting it. I understand that. But you, you have 400 years of, I mean, to say anger, it's like, okay, that's simplifying it too. But how do you change the paradigm when you have such deep-seated um, animosity, uh, frustration, what they're what they're now you know the word systemic is now kind of a buzzword right you have systemic racism which which sort of means that like sort of means that i'm just racist by virtue of being uh part of a system that was set up for me to succeed and i'm i speak i mean me literally as a white american um how do you change the paradigm or how do you begin to change the paradigm for something that is that thick yeah, so I, I think a couple of things. I mean, for one, you have to start being fair. Like you know, when when a, when people kill other people, and you have to hold them accountable for that, and you have to be fair. But the paradigm, the changing of the paradigm, is going to happen through what I think. I think the way that you do it is you do it through programming, and you do it by utilizing visual and audio stimuli like commercials have an effect on us for sure cartoons have an effect on kids mm-hmm. i mean i mean it's it's for me it's in the effect it's pretty huge and now i want to backtrack a little bit about definitions because you're talking about systemic racism racism is systemic i mean i mean racism is now we have prejudice and we have discrimination and we have acts of bigotry um but those all fuel into racism because r- racism is the valuing one race over another. Mm-hmm. And, and you see that value in school systems. So those need to be made more fair. You see that value in the, the criminal justice system. That needs to be made more fair. You even see that that in, in real estate. I don't know if you've heard of redlining. Oh, yeah. Um, um, that, that needs to be made fair. Um, so I think that fairness needs to be addressed. And it should be addressed, you know, and until it's addressed, you know, but it has been, it's been addressed. I mean, if we're, you know, that, that I, so, so, but it, the results aren't necessarily there, right? Because it has been addressed. I mean, redlining was outlawed 50 years ago, but there's trickle down effects. There, there's generational effects. So to, to say, let's um, address it, that's not enough. It's not enough to get to a place where we all respect each other and actually not just like, I don't really like the word equality. I mean, it's easy for me to say that, but I feel like that's, that's kind of a, it's a buzzword that makes, means that we want to all be robots. Like we all no, want to be no, the exact same, which no, but, but we want equity, not equity. Okay. Okay. That's a better yeah, word. Yeah, yeah. That's a cool word. So, so the way that you would equal opportunity, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but the way, the way that you address the, the, the school system is by actually funding schools in inner city. That's how you address it. You don't address it by by sticking a Democrat in office. That's right. a facade. The Democrats have done as much wickedness to the black community as the Republicans. In fact, the Republican the Republican that fought the, the I mean the the party that actually fought in the Civil War for the freedom of black people so were Republicans. 
party that actually did that were Republicans. I'm, I'm not trying to say that. I'm not praising them for that. No, no, but, I, no, no. I, I think that you, I think you, that, to me, that's a really interesting point because I don't know that a lot of people realize that because right now the, the Democrats and the left leaning officials are so vocal and, and, and outwardly uh, supportive of, of all minority causes that I think a lot of people think that they're just, they're for all the things that you think you'd, they'd be for. But, you know, if, I don't know if you, do you know, Candace Owens is, I mean, you know, I, she's somebody who she, she's, 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 black she's lady. she is. And she's, <laughs> she loves Trump. <laughs> she loves Trump, it's which, crazy, you know, yeah, but, 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 but if you, if you, and you know, there's part of me that feels like what she's doing is pandering to white people a little bit for profit. If anybody loves Trump, they're pandering. Let me tell you. They yeah, him, that's mean, true. That's probably you, true. You, you, you can respect the man, but you know, do you think um, he's racist? Do you think Trump's racist? Um, I get, like I said again, I think race, racism, and race is not really individualistic. Do I think he's he's a bigot? A hundred percent bigot. You do, and I think he's prejudiced, and I think he discriminates. For is it is it based on skin color? Is it based on uh, is it socioeconomic? I mean, I feel he he'd look at me as a peasant. Nah, nah, nah. You think he, so? He, hate, he hates black people. You think so? Have you heard of Have you heard of those four? boys that were accused in Central Park of raping uh, a woman in Central Park? Years ago, right? Yeah, many years yeah. ago. Trump, and Trump was the biggest advocate yeah. for like the death penalty for the yeah. do, do you know he still wanted to kill them after they found out that the DNA was not right? Do you know he was still pushing that? I don't know. Not only that, look at Trump when he speaks and look at him at every single function. See how many black people you can count. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, no, but, I'm, I'm, I'm being very honest, and, and I think that this should say something. It should say something. So, do you think, in terms of any, you know, employment or any of the numbers that he touts, in terms of what he's done for the black population, they're just it's just politics. In uh, his heart, in his heart, he well, doesn't. Trump, I don't think Trump cares about black people. I don't. I don't think he cares about most people. Right. But I think that he he kind of hates black people, and I think black people are a threat to a certain group of people. And like President Obama is a threat to Trump because President Obama is acting. That's why he wants to do. He wants to uh, uh, kind of destroy everything that President Obama did because what President Obama represents is competency. It's competence. That's the word I'm looking for. And so for Trump, he doesn't want to see a black person competent. That's all. He doesn't. He take a man like a man like Ben. He, mm-hmm. he doesn't make him the, the the secretary of health and human services. He he made him the secretary of how hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you think that was a mistake? I like that. Guy. I don't think so. Um, I, I don't really think so. So I think Trump is a bigot. But but with that said, I do have some respect for Trump for some of the things that he has done. I mean, he hasn't put us in war. Number one, he's won. I, mean, I always have respect for a person that wins. Um, but I think his time that he's serving in America, what it's really doing is it's helping the food boil to the top. Because the things that he's saying, the rhetoric he's pushing out, this sign that he was, he was putting out the entire, um, the entire election period, I think it, it's caused 
us to get to the place where we are. And sometimes, like I said, sometimes you get to hard places and you need that to get out the pus from in the wound. You understand? Right. So like, like the stage that we are right now, um, you know, like this, this, um, this thing that happened before, it's a terrible thing. I hated watching it. I wish it never would happen. But I also know that because it happened, a lot of people, it has brought a lot of attention to um, what is going on in this, in this country and what is going on in this country for quite a while. So I think Trump is, an, is another agent. He will be agent for positive change, although I think that, you know, there's a problem with, with the presidential candidate coming down to escalate the start his campaign and saying Mexicans are rapists. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that shows his bigotry. I mean, I, I like when a person speaks for themselves. Do do you think so? I mean, I, I mentioned Candace Owens, and, and her whole her whole philosophy is is that the the liberal agenda that sort of panders to minorities in a way that makes it sound like they're they're there to help, uh, you know, speed up this this process of becoming. Um, you know, equals in terms of, you know, socioeconomic stuff and, and, and the constant sort of acknowledging that, uh, you know, the hardships are there. Her whole philosophy is that, that, that keeps, uh, black people in a state of, of, of victimhood. And, And that if you're in that state of victimhood and you, and that, and that resentment stays so present that you never get to a place of actually, um, feeling equal or being equal or being accountable or seeing the power in your own decisions that that you you're in a state of mind that suggests that no matter what you do you're under the thumb of somebody the government whomever and that the lib- the, the, the the democrats are pushing that and 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 almost an that it's almost a conspiracy to keep not only us divided as a country but to keep black people from feeling empowered even though the message in terms of the word says the opposite it's intended to have the effect of of oppression do you, do you feel like there's anything to that or help me understand help me understand from your perspective whether or not there's any validity to that well i mean from my i haven't heard a lot of what she said but i receive what you're telling me about her uh, first of all i think she's being paid to do what she's doing she is. Um, I think she 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 may believe what she's saying, or or somebody may tell her that this is what they wanted to say. Um, do I think there's some truth into what the Democrats are doing for fighting with these causes and and kind of making sure that kind of there um, that there's programs that she is saying that are kind of probably enabling black people. Now you froze up. A little bit. I'm not sure. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. You're just cut. You're cutting out a little bit. Oh, okay. Oh, you're good. I hear you now. I don't know okay. if it's just could be my Wi-Fi. No, Go no, ahead. No, that, okay. So what I think, I'm not so sure about the effect of that. Although I think that um, I would lean against that just because the place where she's coming from, right? But the problem I have with the Democratic with the Democratic Party is that. They actually have stood for the same things as Republicans. I mean, you, you look at it something like the prison system. Joe Biden wrote the crime bill. Right. I mean, all these people, Clinton, Clinton um, 
did this three strikes they're out thing. I mean, and these people are pumping out the crime bills and they've, they've broken up more black families than anything. Um, and, and I'm not trying to say that, you know, um, uh, that people that commit crimes be leaning on, but I, I do want to be clear about the fact that all those things that happen in Congress, um, are being done by Democrats and Republicans. The fact that, you know, if, if you got powder cocaine, you have a different sentence than crack. That, 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 those things can be legislated, and they should have been a long time ago. The school system issue, the fact that, um, you know, that school systems are basically funded by, by local neighborhoods, and that you have huge disparities in the school system. It's, that's being watched over by the legislature that has Democrats and Republicans, and right. presidents that have been Democrat and Republicans. So to try to kind of parse them out to say, you know, these people are really, you know, pro-black because they uh, believe, and I'm trying to think of something that they always push for, um, affirmative action, for example. Right. Yeah. Well, the kind of affirmative action that I think is what the community needs is the kids need to be able to get an education. Sure. You understand? And I think that's I do. I th and I think it's all about um, the kids. I mean, um, really, at this point, you, we talked about a, a couple of days ago, the idea of reparations. And it's hard for people to to think in terms of reparations and just cutting checks. But I thought you made a really, really interesting point about reparations as it relates to education and young people. I, I certainly I think education is one thing. You know, you have you have you have inner city kids that can't ex uh, afford sports, for example. I mean, you know, I mean, this is this is kind of ridiculous because so if we weren't playing football, what would we have been doing? Who knows? I mean, you know, mm -hmm. we definitely would have been doing something constructive between two, three, and five, or however long, whenever we went to practice, etc. Um, so I think that you know these are the things that I think that need to be uh, need to be addressed by both Republicans and Democrats. And I'm not going to say, oh, the Democrats have been really good because they get up every four years and get in a black church. That's cool. But what's up with the schools? Right. What's up with the prison system? You know, look at these look at these murderous cops. What's happening to them? Why haven't you legislated something to address that issue? Why? Do you feel like there's a part? Do you feel like they these politicians want us divided? Um. I don't know the one is divided. I I think that there's profit in the two party system, right? I mean, there's big profits. Um, so I think that they want to have two different parties, but I think both parties do not do not value black people as much as white people. I think it's it's a systemic thing. I think it's it's in the political system, and it's been in the U.S. political system since the Constitution was written, and black people were three three fifths of a man. Right. And although that was moved, um, it's kind of like things have continued rolling in that same paradigm. Because ultimately, what it boils down to is people don't want to change things if they're feeling good. And mm -hmm. they definitely don't want to talk about it if it's kind of unpleasant. So it kind of leads, leads at a place where, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get up every four years or two years and talk about what we're going to do for the community. Um, but ultimately, this is the results. And I'm the type of person I'm ready for results. Okay, so just, let me ask you this: What you know? I don't know how much time you have. Are you up against time? I mean, no, I'm, I'm cool. Okay, okay. You know what? What do positive results look like? Uh, for for me, 
for well, all of us. I mean, for, you know, whatever it is that we're after. I mean, you know, there's a lot of division. There's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of people on different wavelengths. And, and at the end of the day, it's like you can have a million social media posts that 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 look like we're coming together. But at, OK, what, tomorrow you wake up and what's changed? It's like, so what what does progress if 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 we if we haven't made enough in 400 years or 50 years or whatever you want to start talking about when things started to change or at least there was some effort what will progress start to actually look like in your yeah, opinion see, see, but, but years what i think is an interesting part now the social there, there wasn't social media 100 years ago now mm-hmm. so i think what social media has done is social media has exposed now, now that's exposure exposure big exposure i think that that is kind of what led to this huge effect that we've had recently. I think there's never been protests like this in the entire country where it was all True. over, I think, 50 states. So I think that's where social media is good. And that's why I think that we're at that boiling point. So what does, what does, um, what was the question? You, you what, 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 yeah, what will progress, what will it actually okay. look like? I'm always curious about what equity looks like or, or yeah. progress looks like because it's easy to, to write it in an academic paper. It's yeah. easy to stand up on a stump and, 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 and politic and, and, you know, run on some policy, but that you never have yeah. to implement. What the fuck does it look like? Because I want to know because yeah. I want to get there too. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it looks like one, one is equity of the law. It means to say that, and, and we're going to go back to this because because this is how I feel. When 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 people, when black people are killed by police officers, and it's unjust, those people need to be persecuted. It goes, and I think that that um, you use a specific word, results, good results. What good results would look like, as far as um, education, is when when there is some type of educational educational equity. In the U.S., when there's some type of health equity in the U.S., I mean, all these things are really kind of launch pads of of where we can see the disparities. And it's very clear, Eric. Look at the state of Minnesota. I think it has the worst health equity in the whole country. Does it? I don't where know. It, you, you can check it out, but you look at it too. And you would know. And, I mean, you'd know better than me on that. And, and, the, and the thing is, is that all these things can be addressed to a certain extent. And at least it can be can there can be an attempt to address them, and then the good results would be when 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 we see the results we can say yeah I guess this. I guess what I'm after is I don't I don't know what to look for because and and, and again I, I understand that it's easy for me to sit here and go oh I don't, you know I don't I, I've never dealt with it on on a on a daily basis I've never dealt with it you know in terms of 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 just the nuanced aspects of life. You know, because so it's easy for me to have an opinion, but I, I just I, I, I look at programs that have been put in place. OK, that's the government trying to help. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, whether it's affirmative action stuff, whether it's testing in schools, whether it's, um, you know, I don't know, the Rooney rule in the NFL or anything, anything that's designed in theory to start creating equity. OK. If we're doing those things and the results aren't there, then I still don't know what I still don't know what equality looks like or what equity looks like. Well, we know when we get there. I guess my fear is that we're in a we're in a position where it's like we can never, ever 
right the wrongs that are were put in place before you and I were here and are so deep and are so generational or systemic that we're talking about um, we're talking about trying to fix something that's beyond fixing, despite what data might suggest or what, d- despite which way we're trending. Um, and so if we don't know what it is we're shooting for, will we recognize it if we're there or, or is there a way to even quantify it? Maybe there isn't a way to quantify it. Is it, is it a strictly data game or is it a, is it a perception game? And if it's a perception game, then we're talking about relying on people who may never perceive things to be fair or equal yeah. or yeah but I, I think you're talking about like perceive and all that and i think that you know i hear what you're saying and, and most of the time i think it's kind of a cop out you know really it means that people don't really want to want to kind of face the issues that are there because the thing i is don't want are, it to come across that way at all because i, but, I want to face this I, I understand but, but but i said most of the time i think of that way but, but here's the thing because there are specific issues you, i mean you see for example, the criminal justice system is a okay. is a very clear thing. Look at look at New York, the stop and frisk. How many black people were stopped and frisked? Okay, you know what I'm saying. I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I, okay, so you you've opened my eyes here a little bit. So here here's what I'm thinking based on what you're saying, and I don't mean to cut you off, but I have this idea in my head. So um, maybe these broad general terms that we've always used are the exact wrong way to go about it. Maybe it is, maybe it is police reform. Maybe it is. Uh, prison uh, hierarchy, hierarchy reform. You know, you know, maybe that is, ex- and I just thought of this but, now, but yes. but maybe that's where we're wrong. It's like white people speak about this in general terms. We speak about this in general terms, and it's way more fucking specific than that. No, but, but here's the thing. The thing is, is that well, I'll, I'll talk about prison really quick. Do we both understand that prisons are privatized, so so people are getting paid? Sure. Money to have black people in prison and, and make. I understand very little about that, but I know it. On the they, they make license plates for like four cents. You know, no, but but but, but the thing is, I agree with you. I think that if you, if if you get specific about where it is inequity, where the inequity is, then you can fix that inequity. I think first of all, when you bring up the term racism, a lot of white people get really uncomfortable. They really don't want to talk about it. Right. Um, I mean, I commend you for even having this conversation with me because I hope you know I'm a very kind of blunt person. I, I don't, I don't kind of parse. I like, at that. All. I like that about you. Yeah, and I think that I think that it takes a certain kind of courage to have this type of conversation in a public forum. Um, so, and I think that that's part of the solution as well. See, I think when you talk about like racism as a whole, I think the biggest problem with racism is race, the concept of race, and so I think that that's what's going to make things the most prob- problematic while we're in that paradigm of where we're, we're splicing people up in a certain way when people are people are vastly more complex than their skin color you right. know um so i think having conversations like this it does improve you know individual by individual and and furthermore each person has the potential to have a positive effect on society have have a they may try, you know. So I think that, you know, it's like one day at a time. I don't expect it to change overnight. I mean, it's been 400 years, <laughs> like you said. So I don't expect it's going to change overnight. But I do. Do you, do you feel encouraged by what you've seen in the last week? Or what do you feel? Um, so 
I'm very encouraged by these officers being arrested, by, by all of the four officers being arrested. I'm very encouraged that the charges went from third degree murder to second degree murder, which says that you intended to kill him, because, which I think it's fairly clear. It's just reasonable, you know, it's reasonable from watching what we watched. Um, I'm, also, I'm also encouraged because um, people have done the type of protesting that they could. I'm not so happy about the looting of stores and all that, but I think, you know, if you get, if you get like four million people in the streets, you're going to have a certain percentage of people that will, will do wrong. You also have a percentage of people that are there to do the wrong so that it looks like the other people yeah. are doing the wrong. Um, yeah, there's so, a lot of wavelengths out there. So, so, so I think that, you know, you have some of that, but what I'm proud of though, is I'm proud of that. People did peaceful. There was a huge amount of peaceful protest, and I think that some of what people are doing on social media is a form of protest. You know, to to kind of show, look what's happening. What are you guys gonna do? But I think this is a form of protest. So I'm I'm excited that people have seen that there are some things that need to be fixed in our society, and some people are willing to take a stand to fix it, even if it's an uncomfortable place. You think that you know? I I look at social media and and. Part of me, and, and, and I'm always, I'm kind of a skeptic or whatever, and I'm always looking at nuance, so it's hard for me to buy into things uh, on its surface. I always have to, I have to, I have to find my own door in. And I see a lot of these suburban white housewives who made their profile picture black, and I, and they see it as um, an act of unity, and I see it as like a cop out. I feel like I, and and, and help me understand if 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 I. Sh- if I should be less skeptical, but I, I, I see it as a cop out. Like they felt like they scratched the itch and made a declaration of their, of their, um, love of social justice and their, and the, you, you know what I'm saying? Kind of. And I, and I almost yeah. feel like social media in that way is allowing people to, to, to proclaim their, um, you know, stance yeah. in, in a way that it, they don't have to actually be accountable for their stance. Yeah, I mean, it also allows some people to talk a lot of trash. For sure. On the other side of the line, and you, you, you know, they wouldn't, right. they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even like bust a fart in the club. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, so, you're right. You know, you're not wrong. Yeah, you're thorough. right. Um, but, 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 but it bothers me. It bothers but, me. But, but, but it, well, for me, for me, I think that. Um, I look at it from the other point a little bit because I see that see that it shows some some type of solidarity and okay. it shows that you know even if a suburban mom you know she, she may not be able to jump on the street but she recognizes that everything that's not all right okay. it's not a right to do what they did to this man and maybe that's what she can do and I think that see I think that I think that's obvious like I come from a place where that's fucking obvious and I've never have been you, the, seen but the I haven't comments, been victimized. Though? Have you seen the comments? You talk about obvious. Have you seen the comments for these I've, uh, these ultra right people that are so yeah, ultra uh, right? I mean, what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, they're so anti-abortion. Like they I, di- want, I dismiss they, those they people as psychopaths. They, they, they want to preserve life in in the in the womb, which I actually I like to preserve life all the time. So I'm not trying to say I'm criticizing them for their position. I'm just trying to say that. But then they they can stand up and say things like. Um, he had forged. He, he was doing something, a criminal act, and that's why he was murdered. 
he had he had used a counterfeit twenty dollar bill or something. I don't see and, a lot of that though on social media. Do you see a lot of that? I really, I mean, uh, I, I I feel like those people are psychopaths. I mean, well, I, 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 I and they're the minority. Case, in this case, not as much, but I've certainly seen a lot more in the past. And and, I've, and even this case, people thinking that officers should not have the increased charges. I've seen that. Yeah, I mean, to me, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I get. This is about as gratuitous as it gets, this George Floyd situation. And I'll tell you, I mean, if there's any chance that those officers end up being, you know, exonerated, we're going to have this all over again. Oh, oh no, but no, no, no. It's going to be different. It's, 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 it's going to be much different, let me tell you. It's going to be much different. How, how much so? Worse. Oh, you think it'll be worse than what we've seen? Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be much worse. So we're on the same wavelength, though. But it, it, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's. And then I want to tell you one thing, too, Eric. Okay, I've noticed a couple of times when I'm talking, you, you say like, "Oh, like I'm a white guy," or you know, whatever. Look, the, the way that I see it, man, human beings are human beings, and I, I've mentioned this about this race thing before. Human beings are human beings, and we all have our experiences, and not not one person is more valuable than another person. You know, I remember. No, no one idea is more valuable than other because we have different ideas. And the beauty about humankind is we can come together and share these ideas and not kind of hurt each other or, or you know, try to say that I'm right, I'm certainly right, or you, you know, whatever. We have different ideas. And, like, a black person doesn't have more rights to talk about this issue than a white person um, and vice versa. You know, my father always makes make a statement to me that, let me tell you, Mark, nobody is better than you, right? Nobody. And you're not better than anybody else. So I think that coming from that place, I think it it brings a, a certain amount of respect onto the table. Well, you were um, taught right. You were taught right, and I and I was taught with the same exact. Maybe we're talking about parenting. I mean, maybe we're maybe we've had a parenting issue. Yeah, but but, but here's the cool thing: is that right now, it is so easy for the technology to parent kids and that's really what's happening so now imagine if you intentionally created uh that curriculum that involved a paradigm shift of how we perceive race and how we deal with race and what is race and show that it's garbage what is right what is race can you tell me as a doctor what you think race is um no it's not scientific I mean, we, we can look it up. We can look it up and see what they see. But, but it's basically classifying people with the amount of melanin in their skin and probably their facial features or their features. So their melanin and their and their their phenotype is what I would say. And it's, so it's bullshit, as well, it rela- as it relates to to anything beyond that. I, I think it's garbage. I mean, I think there is some value in culture, right? So I mean, mm-hmm. I think if you if you live in, if you're coming from the Bronx, New York, and you come from Beverly Hills, I think you're going to have, you will have completely different experience. Yeah, and you're talking about experiences at that point. Yeah, and, and it, may, it may matter if you come from the subculture, if, if in the Bronx you're staying in, in a certain area in the Bronx, but that's culture as well. And if you're staying in a certain area in Beverly Hills, that's culture as well. But I would say that you living in those two places will probably have more an effect on you or me than than how much melanin we have in our skin. Right. Sure. Do you understand? Um, so that's what I think is kind of the flaw in this classification. And ultimately, race race was propagated by those that wanted to separate and oppress. 
So then how can you utilize what they created to separate and oppress for anything of value? You can't. You can't. Nothing good can come from it, I'm telling you. You right. cannot. Because I mean, the, the eugenics that started in Germany with these guys that, that held hands with Hitler or whatever, um, it, it was rubbish then. And and it's the 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 race separation that they were creating in the South um, of a of kind of like a, a slave master being able to communicate to his kids that it's all right to do these atrocious things to people like cut off their penises and their and their testicles and rape women and, and take women out of the slave house bring them to their house and rape them if you want send them back kill people for whatever they want to do, hang people from trees. Yeah. The only way you could tell your daughter that that's okay, Eric, is if you say, that's not really a human. He's an animal. Right, sure. You know, sometimes, sometimes we got to neuter a dog, you know what I'm saying? You know what I, he you, doesn't act right. By the way, I, I, I think about this a lot. I, I actually think that we were animals compared to what we were, we are now. And I, and I, I mean all of us, like 200 years ago. Just yeah. the, ba- the way our brains have evolved – I think sometimes we see old pictures, old fuzzy black and white pictures, and we think, oh, those are people just like us. But you can't see their brains or the way they uh, have changed. You know, if if brains were a shape or a series of shapes compared to what they are now, they were they were blunt objects 200 years ago. And now they're like a, a series of like beautiful shapes or even numbers like like computer code. That's how complex we are in terms of how evolved we've become and how nuanced uh, and our perspectives are. And we look back at some of that behavior and it's like, oh, those were people. And we feel connected to what they did, whether you were on the receiving end of it or you were on the, the, the perpetrator side of it. We feel like we're still like versions of that. And I would argue that they were fuck, they were all fucking animals back then. And if you go back even further, like you want to go back to being cavemen, they, they, they may literally have been animals in terms of what their brains were able to process, think about, do, multitask, uh, concepts. You know, they, they looked at space and thought it was something completely different than what we know it is now. Yeah, and yeah. and so they thought the elk is round, et cetera, et cetera. It, and it's like, I don't think we can measure how how blunt of an object people were black, white, brown, yellow, whatever back then i don't think we can even grasp it yeah but the, but, but the thing is oh, unless you read shakespeare right well okay. or, or unless you believe socrates was was a genius because he talked about the four things that a man must do before he dies plant a tree build a house and he probably um, will i mean he and there's a reason a, his works have persevered because he was have a, have a child and do all these things so, mm-hmm. so so i do i do think that have people progressed since that time with their mental capacity? Certainly. Um, do, do we have tools to even help us, you know, kind of like computers, you know, computers and iPhones and stuff to get us from place to place? And, and we only have to remember a certain amount of information because mm-hmm. now with, when I prescribe medications, I, I look into, I look at an app to make sure I'm given the right dosage. Right. And they didn't have it before. Um, so maybe they, they did work a little hard before. So I do think that there's something to that that you're saying. But I think for the most part, humans are still animals. Man. I mean, we, we're still, we still want to eat. 
We want to indulge ourselves for food. We want to procreate sex. Yeah, we want to we want to have power, and we're playing this game. And now I think that you know most people can manage some of the animal. This thing. you know we're humans and we're beings. Like human is all animal, and the being mm-hmm. is the spiritual side. And ultimately, I think you know the way you kind of control this animal is through Christ. That's my belief. But okay. not everybody believes that. But I think this is this is the only way I know I control my beast because I have a beast in me that. When I see something like I saw with um, Freud, my beast makes me want to do something. Makes me want to right. do something now about it. Right, right, right. right. But, 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 but my being can control that beast. And the same thing, if, if I get into argument with somebody, I may want to like, I want to slap you or something. Mm-hmm. But my being controls my beast because that's not how you behave. But the point I'm trying to say, I think, you know, kind of basically, I'm trying to say to do the right thing um, as a person. Has always been a challenge, um, and I think that um, basically I want to hold people accountable for the things that they've done. Like, like I'm, I'm not trying to, 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 to take Hitler off the hook because he it was because it was it was uh, however long how many ever many years ago it was that he killed all these people and he he cut uh, black people's skin off to make shoes. I mean, you know, I'm not going to get him off the hook because it happened 100 years ago, 80 years, whatever. Right. Because um, I think he's, he's a wicked man. And, 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 and very similarly, these 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 people that hung people from trees, I'm not letting them off the hook for that. Because I, no, hundred. Yeah, I mean, um, get, I'm not talking about letting people off the hook. I'm talking about how we've evolved. And I think people were blunt instruments relative to now, back then. And I, I don't... I don't see a lot of people who I know I, I don't know anybody who would absolutely I, I don't know a single person who would endorse what Derek Chauvin did. I don't know a single person who would um, be remotely OK with it. I don't know a single person who would consider themselves remotely racist. I don't I don't know anybody like that. And, and the majority of people in my life are white. And so what I'm trying to understand is is this this new definition of racism kind of, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. That's part of the reason why I'm constantly like qualifying myself coming from a white perspective. Cause I've, I've learned in the last eight days a lot about this idea of embedded racism that, or, or white privilege, I guess is what they're calling it. That, that, that essentially I'm, it's invisible to me. I, I can't even acknowledge it even if I tried because it's so embedded in the way I was, um, raised so embedded in, in the life I've lived that it, it, it's it feels like a new definition of racism to me. Yeah, but let, let me ask you this. So, okay, on social media, you see there's nobody saying that you know what Derek did. Derek Charger. I, 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 you know, I haven't learned the guy's name. And he's been I think Chauvin, Chauvin, like chauvinistic. Yeah, yeah, but I don't even want to learn it. I understand. You know what I'm yeah, he doesn't deserve it. I understand. Uh, but, but 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 the thing is, is that. Nobody's saying that what he did is okay, but you know what they are saying? They're saying, look at these animals in the street. They're they're uh, they're raiding Target. Look at these animals that want to. So so what it means to me is that what's in Target is more valuable than this guy's life. That's that's the message that we're receiving. Let me tell you. Um, and, and the truth of the matter is, is that um, I th- also think it's not politically correct to say, I hate black people. But I still do think 
there's people that hate black people. And unfortunately, a lot of them own police forces. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I think the police, and I think maybe a lot of the conversation should be centered around like the pathology of cops. I think that's a conversation that is, is as paramount as anything in, in what's going on. Um, I don't know anybody who hate who hates black people. I, I, I really don't. And I have really intimate conversations with a lot of people who are predominantly white just because my circle of friends and my experiences are mostly around white people. Um, and maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm just fucking naive. I mean, maybe, maybe it comes out in, in, in ways that I would never even be able to see. Maybe I, I don't have well, the right... To the, the thing is, the KKK still marches every year. Do they? Everywhere. I don't even know. Everywhere they, they march, they march in Georgia. They With march like hoods and all the sh- all the shit, they, they still wear all the shit. They, they, they march in Tennessee. They, they march in Texas. They, they still march every single year, man. Um, with their KKK, I'm not denying it exists, and I know there's some. The, the deep the, South has some fucked up people. And with the Confederates, and then you still see people all over Minnesota, even. All over this country, with confederate Confederate flags still representing the the the, the fight for the old way. Um, so, so, so I think that those. I mean, for me, it seems to me that that you know, even though the person doesn't say like I hate you, like we know what's up when we see a Confederate flag. You know, we know what the KKK what, what that means and what they do. We know where they are. Not, I mean, KKK doesn't really have to march, but we know they're judges. And that's and that's part of what people are arguing is that the fact that I don't even see that is part of what people are saying now, right? That's that's the embedded privilege that I have is that I don't have to have an antenna for that shit. Yeah, wait. The thing is, is that you 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 wouldn't even you may not even notice it. That's what I'm saying. You certainly because I don't need to. I don't need to fear them. So they're not even on my radar. Even if they walked in front of me, I wouldn't know it. Is what is kind of what people are saying. Yeah. But, but to be honest with you, I haven't had a lot of, like, upfront racial incidences in Minnesota at all. You have? Um, I, did, I, I have not. I have not. Oh. I have not. I mean, I've, I've been stopped by the cops a bunch of times, and, you know, here in Minnesota and elsewhere, and I've been kind of harassed and pushed around and taken to jail, but I've never committed any crimes. I have no convictions, but I've spent nights in jail because I'm talking. Oh, just talk shit. I mean, for, for example, I went, the, when I got arrested here in in Minnesota, before, this is when I was an undergrad. I think the um, the cop the the cop was parked in the driveway or something of the Perkins, and when I when I was coming in the driveway of the Perkins, we had to jump on the sidewalk to get inside. So I told the officer, I said, "The cars in the the cars in the the entrance of the Perkins, and if if anybody else did that, you would give them a ticket." And she said, because you said that, if you go in the Perkins, you'll be arrested. You'll be detained. Don't go in there. And so I said, okay. I went to my friend's car to, to get a pen to come and write down his badge number. And as soon as I started writing his badge number, he arrested me right there and took me to jail for that. How do you determine if that... <laughs> that sucks. Friday night. <laughs> I ruined your Friday night. So how do you... <laughs> let me ask you this. How do you, how do you determine if that's a small dick issue or a racial issue because i've i've had my car drug sniffed by dog i got pulled over driving through nebraska on my way back from uh from los angeles you know i had my hat on backwards i was 29 years old i was in a dodge charger with rims thank you and 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 he told me this is this is a this is a a a drug trafficking route and you fit the bill yeah yeah, Yeah. i profiled you and you can sit here while your my dog sniffs your your car and i didn't know what i had in there because 
I used to have cocaine in my car. I mean, I partied with cocaine when I lived in Los yeah. Angeles. I sat there scared shitless. And now you could, you know, maybe maybe if I was black, it would have been 10 times worse. And that's what we're talking about here. But how do we know we're not dealing with a small dick issue? Because I think I think a lot of cops have fucking power problems. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think that may, that may play a role. I mean, okay, let, let me be clear again, because I'm not trying to, to bash cops. There's some, there's some good me neither, but I've that they put their life online to, to, to make sure everybody's safe. But I got a good is, friend at LAPD. There is a percentage of them that should not be carrying badges and guns. Um, so, and, and I think that that percentage of them need to be addressed as soon as possible. But so back to the small dick issue versus racism, you, you look at numbers. That's how you know. You look at the numbers. I'm very objective. If you look at the numbers, you see, you know, who's getting stopped, number one. When they get stopped, what's happening? I got I got a bunch of these Facebook. You know, things. more white people are killed by cops than black people every year. P- percentage wise? No, not percentage wise, because the population, oh, of course, is different. But but, but but then you have to. I mean, you have to adjust. You got to do the adjustment. Oh yeah, of, of course, of course, of course, of course. Well, that's yeah, you have ridiculous. to. You're just talking about. You're talking about like. Well, you uh, have to. Thirteen percent compared to like. 70% or 75%. But I don't so, think so, I mean, a lot of people it, it, would realize so, that. I don't think that, I think it, that data would shock people. I think people but, would think but, based but, on the... If people heard that and they weren't thinkers, it may mean more to them than what it really does mean. But, I mean, if you're talking about 13% compared to 70-something or 70%, you expect to have a significant difference. And what I would argue is it should even be bigger than it is. And then we can work those numbers and figure out what it should be. I, I think you're you right. What I mean, mean? You know, I, 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 you're you're 100 right. I mean, you have to consider the the you know the the fact that 13 percent of the population is, you know, in theory committing X number percentage of the crimes. I mean, there's all kinds of variables that need to be considered. You know, I don't think any of the, any of it's apples to apples, really. If you start, right. I'll tell you what else too, though. What is, what is interesting too is to piggyback what you're saying. That may be correct because you know who knows. I also know that that on a percentage-wise, white people have more guns than black people too. Um, so 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 you know, percentage-wise, for right. sure. Okay? Um, especially legally, for sure. But, but besides <laughs> that, so, so I think that that there may be um, the question is where you got that statistic. I would like to kind of sparse it out to say how many that were unarmed. And then 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 I would bet I would bet ten thousand dollars to be black people. Right now. I, yeah, I, I'm, trying to th- right now. I'm trying to think. I, I saw a stat, you know, again where you get arms. where you get yeah, where you get your stats are very important. important, very important. I, I I just say that because I think a lot of if if you just followed social media in the last you know eight days, you would think that there are no white people that ever get killed by cops, that there are no unarmed white people that ever, ever. And I mean, zero, like it sounds ridiculous to you and I, but if you, if you just tuned into the dialogue in the last eight days, you would think that that's a possibility. You really would. And, and, and that, that's where it's like, where things start to get sort of like propaganda ish. It's a very fine line. <laughs> look, 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 Eric, let me tell you a bit. I, I, I hear what you're saying, um, but you know, and I don't have, I have no agenda but, but, with. I, but, but, but I think the propaganda has to be like that because change needs to happen. 
to white people going to the governor's office or house. I can't remember this house. Say, say, say what you just said again because you froze up. It's important. No, no. I, I, I said you, you get white people going to the governor's office or, or his home. I can't remember which one. With guns. And the, the police approach them in plain clothes. There's no ride gear. Right. This recently happened. It's, it's, right. it's not even, it's like a month ago. Right. It's not even a long time ago. No ride gear talking to them. Da, 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 da. Right. Right. Okay. So I mean, I just, I just want to put this in perspective. Oh. And, I, and, and I've seen footage of, of like armed white people and the, and the cops are saying, please put the, like, put down the knife. Please put down the gun. Please put down the gun. Please do this. Da, 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 da. And, and they're walking around low with a, with, with a gun by themselves. Right. And, and so I, I think that the, 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 to, just to be really clear, I mean, I think it's only reasonable to see the value of life in the um, in the arena of criminal justice. It's only re- reasonable to see that they value certain life more than other life. Because if that wasn't the case, these people wouldn't be able to have guns at the governor's office. Because if, if those were black people, do you think black people would have had guns at the governor's office? I don't. Do you think that the Black Panthers did the same thing, and they were all, they were all dead or in prison within five years? Because all they and all they said is, "I'm putting a weapon on because you guys are terrorizing our communities." Right. So let me ask you this: You know, I, I I've seen a lot of uh, I've seen a lot of stuff on social media in the last eight days. A lot of it referencing redlining, um, you know, Black Panther stuff. A lot of stuff that covers a huge span of time. I mean, a huge span of time. I saw somebody, I don't know where he was, but he, he posted a video that was designed to go viral where he had himself, a black man who was attached to a noose, like he was being lynched. He put himself on the median in between traffic, you know, to, to create a scene, to create a, an Instagrammable picture, and people were stopping and taking pictures. I mean, we're, and, and I think his sign said 1619 to, you know, 2020, nothing's changed. Um, Are we making progress? Is there progress? I know it's not a satisfactory because we wouldn't be here if it was. But but is there progress? I mean, I know we can reference all these things, but are we making progress? To me, certainly. I mean, there's certainly been a significant amount of progress, I think. Um, and, 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 and such the progress is so um, kind of outstanding that is never going back. And actually, progress is only going to keep going higher. I mean, I think when I think about progress, I think about I'm very into um, uh, the images that our generation and our and generations below us are receiving. You know, I think one thing that kind of that kind of is very hopeful to me is that, for example, President Obama was the president of, of America, the United States of America. I think the kids, like your kids, my kids, had an opportunity to see a black president. Um, and I think one that was very orderly, um, uh, very effective in his political abilities, very articulate, um, etc. cetera. So, so by kind of being exposed to something like that, I think that's a powerful image for uh, this younger generation expansion. And that actually shows that's been some progress. Now, I remember when President Obama was president, there was this talk about 
the post-racial America. And I remember a couple friends of mine kind of busting into granular laughter about that um, because um, it doesn't really work like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, one incident is not going to make it post-racial. You know, what needs to happen is we have to see equity in different areas, equity in education, equity in the criminal justice system, equity in health. Those are the things that I think are important. And, and that may not only be tied to race either, right? So, I mean, we were talking a little bit about this, um, about the school system I mentioned before. I don't think that you should be like, oh, I'm only putting a lot of money in the black school districts that happens to be poor. I think if there's also a white, if this is a white school or, or any other color, I mean, the point is, is that you want to make things equitable for people. And, and, you know, you know, unfortunately, like we've all been programmed very well about this race thing. So to make us fight each other and all that. And ultimately that fighting of each other helps the people that really have to really keep having, um, yeah. But ultimately, people are people. The, the same, the same desires that, you know, you know, people that we call black or white have. Other people have this. I mean, we all have the same type of desires. And, re- and really, I don't find that there's a difference in us, um, as race points out. Um, I think that we are all human beings, and we should treat other like human beings. But we still should fight for equity because people should not be treated differently because they're black. They certainly should not be treated differently because of any other reason. But the point is, it shouldn't be based on their race that you're able to kill them in the street and get away with it. And that's what's been happening. Yeah, I mean... To me, that's not even up for debate. To me, that's that's not up for debate. And I guess that maybe is why I have the luxury of having a nuanced conversation, is that's not something I ever have to worry about. I can sit back and cherry pick the things I want to talk about. And, and maybe it is, maybe it does just comes down to that. You can't, you, that, that, that can't ever fucking happen under any circumstances. But, but, but the, the thought that I think will really get you disturbed is, and I told this to my pastor, and I, and, I, and I told this to my pastor because my pastor is a super gentleman and, and I love him to death. And I think he comes from a good place, his heart comes from a great place. Um, and he loves people. I mean, he's, a, he's a fair man, but we also we have some strong disagreements with kind of what the response should be like when this happens. I won't go into details because whatever it is, but one thing I told him is I said, um, how would you feel if you thought that these riots could stop your son from being killed? And I'll, and I'll challenge you with that. What if you thought? What if you thought that there was a risk that do you, you have a son or daughters? I have two sons and a daughter. Oh, okay. okay, perfect, perfect. Maybe I should ask you that first. But but but, but what, what if you thought that there was a risk for your son to be murdered? And you thought that there was a possibility if you fight like hell, he would not be murdered. Now, the, the, the question I asked him is, how many buildings would you burn down if you thought that by you fighting like hell, you're going to save his life? Because, you know, the, the big thing is that people are like, oh, my goodness, they, they went and raided Target. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not for that either. But I'm not for that rating of talking either, but I'm not going to lose sight of um, the human life. So it's, we're talking about murder versus 
theft for me it's kind of a it's easy it's easy for me to kind of differentiate not that two wrongs will make things right but i do think that if you think about it in that perspective what if by you rioting you possibly could save your boy's life your boy's lives yeah well i mean look when you start talking about your kids lives all bets kind of are off i mean there's not much i wouldn't do to save one of my kids lives i, I agree I, with you i agree with you i think it's natural so then i guess the question is if that's if that's truly the choice that these you know riders feel like they're faced with how do we address that because you know i i can't relate to that you know i think about my kids lives all the time but i don't think about it in those terms you know what i'm saying so um i can't even fathom <laughs> that feels like such a hypothetical to me the idea that a, a me rioting is tied into my child's well-being and so maybe that's the point you're trying to make is that but, but, but no 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 but think what no, but now think about it differently think about it if there's if there's one man a group of people that that you know that may try to kill your son your sons mm -hmm. now now what would you do to and, and they, they may try to kill him and lawfully do it meaning that shoot him nothing happens to him or kill him, or whatever. They may lawfully do it, and, and, and that, that, I think that when you get down to like that type of thinking, then you understand why, even like a sober-headed, you know, man like me, that I'm against illegal activity. I'm against burning. I'm against you know stealing from your own community. I'm against all these things. But let me tell you, um, I think that. Um, when I see people doing those things, or I don't condemn these people for doing those things. I don't condemn for the, even the police stations going on fire. I mean, it's, it's wrong to do, but I, I see it as look at this crime, man. I mean, who wants to go and fight against the police and, and go and try to put police station on fire? You know, if the police catch you, they'll kill you, for sure. <laughs> and, and who wants to do that? Who wants to be in the street getting tear gassed and all of this? People don't want to do that. The people are doing it because they know that there is a high possibility that somebody that they know will be abused by the police or killed by the police. And I was abused by the police. Right. You understand? Right. I, I thank God I wasn't killed, and so, so does my family. But I tell you, people like me and, and tons of other people, we know that if this change doesn't come, then our kids are at risk, and they really are. I mean, that's a level that I... I, I can't relate to. I mean, I, it's it's all hypothetical to me. And maybe that's the whole point, is that I can't relate to. You know what I'm saying? I mean, maybe that's the whole point. And, and so when I read all this stuff on social media about checking everything I know, or or that me being silent about racism, you know, it used to be that if if you, you say, I don't see color, okay? You know, I just, whatever. That was, that was, that was good enough, yeah. right? When we were kids, you know, it's like, I don't see color or if I do, it's like, I, I, you know, I have respect or whatever, but, but it seems to me now that like, that's not a good enough. And, yeah. and, and maybe that's what this is about is this, this idea that if you're silent about it or you say you don't see color, then you're, you're just as complicit in the, the ongoing sort of struggle. 
Yeah, but, but, but as, I, I hear you saying it, and I, I hear people saying And I don't know if that's true. I, I, I'm just I, hearing that. I, I hear people saying this type of thing, but what the way that I feel is, is that if you care about a person being, um, a person being killed unjustly, and you care about the fact that, um, that there's a history of these types of people being killed unjustly with no action to do something. I mean, it doesn't mean that you have to get in the street and go go run amok or nothing, but do what whatever in your space. I think we all have spaces to do something. It's kind of like um, if if you're in Germany, right, and in, in the time of Germany when these people are rounding up the Jews and killing them. Now, you, I mean, you, you may not be able to go and fight against the German army, but you, you may be able to hide a Jewish person, or you know, you may have a form of escape for them. Um, then do it. If you care about it, and if you don't care about it, it's all right, because the good is going to be done anyway. And ultimately, we're going to a place of more righteousness, even if it's bumpy. Right. The world is going to that. The world is going to God. It's not going away from God. I'm telling you, people are lost. They're like, oh, this is crazy. No, nope. it's going. The, the, the pendulum of justice always swings to righteousness. So it, it may take time. I mean, they couldn't keep slavery forever. It had to swing to, to, to more just society. They couldn't keep black people not voting and in servant positions forever. It had to swing. The, the pendulum of justice swings towards righteousness. So it's going to happen. So people that care, they can be a part of the process to make it go faster. But if they don't care, fine. Sit home. And when you say it swings towards <laughs> righteousness, you mean swings toward truth? What does righteousness mean in that context? Um, for me, it's... Okay, so the, the pendulum... So, for me, what, what I'm trying to say, maybe I'll try to say it in a different way. Okay, that as time goes, the world that God created, um, justice will be served at one point or another. I mean, the right thing, the right things. The truth, things, like an objective things, truth. Things, truth, I'm not sure, but, but things will get right with time. Let's put it that way. The world that God created is based on things things will get right more rights with time let's see rights up you got to define right then right what's right um that, that, that's what it's hard for me to define because i know what i'm trying to say and i think i'm i'm saying it in a way that's unclear but it's better for me to do no I'm, i i actually it's clear to me but i think i'm i'm just challenging you on a philosophical level because right is still a matter of perspective um well you know it's 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 what well, i mean slavery is wrong right i i think it's, it is but that's still a matter of perspective Yes, but 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 those people are wrong too. If you have the wrong perspective, you're wrong. So sure. now we're now we're in a place where more people think that slavery is wrong and slavery is is outlawed. You see what I'm saying? So right. it moves with time. Things move closer to righteousness. I mean, there was a there was a time in in America where you could slap your wife and get away with it. Mm. You know right. what I'm saying? But but now you can't do that. Right. <laughs> So, you, so what you're telling me is that there's like an there's an objective righteousness, like a like a like a like a like a utopian standard that exists that we're migrating towards. Um, no, I don't think I look at it quite like that, like utopian. What I look like at it is that the okay, this is going to get way kind of in another realm. But I think bring it. I, I think that there's equ there's equations that the Most High has created. You understand? Okay. <laughs> that means that, and, and if and the more more you're in line with those equations, 
um, the better off you are. But I also think that society must fall in line with certain certain kind of laws of existence. Well, I, I say it like this: if, if if I drop if I drop this pen, mm-hmm. it's gonna yeah, fall. Yep, it's gonna fall, and that's like a law. And so that's a physical law, right. and that's what we call it physics. But I also think there's psychological and emotional laws, meaning that you know if I work at something, I'm gonna get better at it. Doesn't matter what it is. I mean, if, if you know, if I work at it constantly, I'll get better. At it. If I work at it constantly, I'll, I'll get better at it. Um, I, I'm with you along. I 100% with you. I think about this all the time. I, I think there are psychological laws. They're invisible. They're not as obvious as physical laws. Yeah. Um, but that that's kind of what I mean by an objective truth, though, because equations, you know, if you if you start talking about just math, basic math, that is an objective truth, right? It's it Absolutely. can't be argued. It can't be interpreted. Um, so perhaps there is an objective righteousness, a, a, a moral version of two plus two. Um, and, and maybe that's what you're referencing. I mean, I know I'm doing it. I'm, 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 I'm dumbing it down in layman terms a lot, but maybe, maybe that's what we're talking about here is, is that there is a, a, a moral standard that exists, that, that exists as a law, as a, as a, as a fundamental law. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. I think I think people. But maybe it hasn't been defined yet. So, so no, no. Wait, wait. It doesn't need to be defined because it, it's kind of ingrained in the creation. See, we are created by the Most High. This is what I believe. Is ingrained. And what, what I mean by that is, people that kill people, they cannot sleep. It's a law. Tell you, and I see I see patients that have actually killed people before, and they have insomnia problems for the whole life. You've seen that. I've seen people that have killed people, and they can't. They can't sleep, so they're coming to me for me to help them with insomnia. Does it matter? Does it matter what context they killed them? I mean, what if what if they defended no, their so. their home? No, no, I don't think so. Because okay, one person that I'm thinking of specifically was he was into like um, he was into he I think he's out from California or something, and he, he was in gangs and stuff like that. So really, the person he shot was trying to kill him. Okay. You understand? But they got to fight over the gun. He took the gun and he shot the guy. He still can't sleep. He took the guy's life. Um, so I'm saying what I meant okay. to say about it is some of these things are kind of ingrained. You know, people that steal from people, you know, uh, they're not, you know, it's difficult for them to live. You know, we all have consciousness in us. Right. Um, it's, it's easy. I mean, of course, you can sear your conscience after a certain amount of time. But I do think that this objective righteousness to a certain extent. I mean, I think there's also an area of gray um, where, you know, you can't really pinpoint it. But I certainly think that there's some objective right in righteousness. I think I agree with you. I, and I, I think about this stuff a lot. And then when I see what's going on in terms of like discord and division, it fucks me up because I feel like I feel like we have so much overlap. If you if you lined us all up and you could somehow measure our 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 goals and our humanity and all these different things, we would overlap by like ninety nine point nine 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 percent. But somehow somehow there's all this division still, despite that. But it's because it's because of the definitions. That's the reason. It's because of the creation. See, if you if you create something for maliciousness, how could it be good? 
if you if you create something to bring division, and then you get the, you get like the whole world to kind of um, to kind of believe in these separations of people, which you're creating so that you can separate people and put more value to some right. people and less right. value, then how can we ever expect that system to work out for something good? So maybe the problem's capitalism. I mean, maybe, maybe it, but you know, I, I love capitalism. I, I, no, I do too. I do too. But you're, but, you feel, but it motivates you, right? It motivates you. It, it, it gives you something to aim for. I, I do too. I'm, I'm for yeah, capitalism. Yeah. But sometimes I feel like, especially when I see it being manipulated, like it's been manipulated a lot, you know, financial crises being manipulated and things like that. I lose faith in it. But sometimes I think maybe it's just, it creates, you know, this this class system where people who are at the bottom feel like they can never get to the top. They feel so disconnected, and that's part of what I think is going on too. It's like this disconnection. It's why you can, it's why you can burn structures. It's why you can slander a, a group of people because you don't feel like you're part of that. Because nobody would do that to themselves. And so if you feel that disconnected from a system, it's easy to fuck with it. It's easy to destroy it. And sometimes I think maybe capitalism creates such disconnect between the classes that they don't, they don't feel like they can ever get to the next level. They, they don't feel like they are part of the system. It's like if, if, if I thought, you know, I could never be really wealthy, I, I would look at a Jeff Bezos with disdain. You know what I'm saying, or a Bill Gates, or or whomever, a, a, a Zuckerberg. I, but I don't. I look at it like, how the fuck did they figure that out? And, that's right. <laughs> and, and, and you know what I'm saying? And 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 it, and it motivates me. But that's because I feel connected to the system. I don't. I don't resent them. I, I I feel at times jealous. I daydream about what it must be like to have a, my private island or whatever. But but I don't feel so disconnected from them that I wanted. I want to destroy what they have or destroy the system that helped them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, but, but I, I, I think that that's, that's a little bit of a different subject. But, but I hear what you're saying for sure. But I think that this, you know, that there is a group of people, for example, last week that were, was, um, that were at these protests. And they were saying, burn this system down. Mm-hmm. Those exact words. Burn this bitch down. Because they felt like the system was failing to protect their children. Right. I understand that they do that. And, I, and, I can't really. Yeah. So, so I think that there was this. And I think that with the statement you said about capitalism, I do think that people see um, race in some of those lenses as well. Um, that no matter what they do, um, they still fall a victim. I remember a good friend of mine t- telling me that years ago look you're a doctor man you and these cops did what they did to you i mean that really means there's no hope and i remember he was courting me for like two weeks like every day he'd come talk to me because he's a lawyer and he wanted me to sue the cops and i was like nah i'm not suing him am i wasting my time because i'm gonna fight backwards and then in florida they they will really kill me you understand no what if, do I you mean? Them, I, if i sue them if i sue them i better not i better not want to go to florida again do you understand mm. Because if you sue them, then there will be consequences. It, it may not, they, they may try to physically do it, but they certainly 
would make my life more difficult than it would if I did not. I see. Were you concerned about a paper trail? Like, you know what I'm saying? That that would be part of your history then mm-hmm. that but you would I, have to I, answer for? Or? Well, I, I think that I, I want to tell you my thoughts about it. Because if this is going live, I, I want to be I understand. about it. But I tell you, I, I met a black judge here in Minnesota when I first moved out here. And I, I was kind of contemplating suing them. And, um, but I already got to the place where I wasn't going to sue them. I was like, I'm not really wanting, but she, you know, she was a friend of my mom and we were talking. She said to me, she said, Mark, and she's an older lady too. Mark, this is a judge. She said, Mark, you better not go down to Florida anymore. You better not go back to Miami anymore because you may be dead. She may not want to go anymore. I mean, you obviously see these people don't like how you move, whatever you're doing, um, whoever you are. You may not want to go down there anymore. That's scary. Absolutely. So, I mean, if this was a judge telling you that. Um, and she said, certainly, if you, if, you, if you sue them, then you really don't want to go down there. Hmm. Um, so, so I just think that you know, if there was a black judge, of course. Um, she has a fair amount of experience, and I have a lot of respect for her. I'm still going down to Miami. <laughs> hey, you're taking me. Remember, you're taking me down there. <laughs> Definitely, I, I think it'll be, it'll be worth it. It'll, it'll be worth it for you. Never been there. You'll I like haven't. It. I haven't been down. I mean, I've been to Florida, but I've never been to Miami. Uh, Miami is it's, it's kind of its own little place. Unique. Well, I appreciate you doing this. Um, it's, it's been a pleasure. Do you feel like the Do you feel like um, the black voice is as strong as it's ever been? Because to me, that's what it seems like. But I, again, you know, you understand where my perspective. I mean, my perspective is my perspective. I don't. I don't even know if I'm I, if I'm allowed to say something like that. But it feels to me like yeah, like can. You, you, you can say whatever you want. I mean, your experience is just as valuable as mine. Everybody's experience is just as valuable as everybody. I think the dialogue is the beautiful part about it because. When we can dialogue, we can see where each other are coming from, and we can live together. Because ultimately, we all have to live together. Now, the question about the black voice—I think I think the black voice is loud and clear, and I also think that um, we've kind of reached like a tipping point. I was telling this to somebody before that something has to give, and if the if the air cannot come out of the balloon the right way, the balloon will pop. And I do think that we get to the place where there's a lot of people that know that that is not something that I'm going to live with is my child being right. potentially being killed. And and then the black and white thing, like I said, I mean, to be very honest, I look forward to a time of white and black people fighting together for inequities. And it doesn't have to be based on race either because, you know, a poor person doesn't matter if they're black or white. If they're poor and they need help, they need help. If, if, right. if, if that poor kid is going to a school system that doesn't have computers, it's going to be a problem. Another big problem people haven't told, thought about recent to me is that with this COVID virus, who do you think, which kids do you think have access to Wi-Fi to do their homework? Who's getting access to Wi-Fi? Who has access to computers? I mean, who's actually getting educated in this time? Right. Uh, in this time period, I think that's going to lead to another to other sets of problems. 
that maybe have to be looked at um, on, an, on a, at another time. But I do think that there's value in looking at things to make the world more equitable. Um, I don't get too caught up on the race. I told you before, um, my wife is European. And I married her after what happened to me in Florida. Okay. You, you understand? So for me, I never, I don't have a like hate or anything. I dealt with all my issues with forgiveness of what happened to me, but that doesn't mean that I think that uh, it doesn't need my energy. You know, it doesn't mean that I can just sit back and not put at least some energy towards making things more fair. And part of me uh, talking to you on this uh, kind of on this uh, uh, podcast. It's part of me doing what, what I can also. And I think everybody can do different things, you know? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you if you felt, and we can wrap this up, but I, do, if you feel more compelled to talk about this than you ever have before, or if, 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 if this is just kind of par for the course. Yeah, you know, so I, there, was a, there was a time period where uh, when I first started seeing some of these kind of murders of, of people that were unarmed, etc., and the lack of justice, that went bananas. Like, I put all of these on my Facebook feed, like, <laughs> Black Lives Matter. Um, yeah, because this was my, like, let everybody see it now, because we've been talking about this thing, for, and Black people have been talking about what's been going on for decades, centuries. We were talking about this and we weren't believed we weren't, we weren't believed by, by people in the suburbs. They thought, oh, cops are great. You know, they come and get my cat down from the roof, you know. <laughs> no, not, they didn't all think. They didn't all think. <laughs> you know, you know, oh, that's a little bit of a stereotype. We didn't all think. I kid you not. After my accident, I talked I talk to some people. I, I talked to some people. Right, right, you like that? You like yeah, that? I did, because that's, so, like a, that's like a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I yeah. talked to some people after the accident. I was like, I was telling them what happened to me. They said, "Why would the cops do that to you? Right. What were you doing?" I, I was like, "Well, you know, I was." And that, that was sentiment for a long time, for sure. Uh huh. That was sentiment for a long time. Why yeah, would they it, do that? To you? What did you do to 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 bring on that on yourself? So, so I think now, so I think there was a time when I pumped all that stuff on my social media, but then I got to a point where I got tired of it. I really got tired of it, and I was like, you know what? Um, you know, kind of like it's there. I would see it. I wouldn't post. I wouldn't comment or anything. But but most recently, with this thing with, um, I remember it, most recently. But I'll, I'll stop quickly. But but the guy that was telling me my friend was quoting was courting me to get me to sue the cops. He always told me this thing. He said, "Hey Mark, you're a doctor. You're a smart guy. You're articulate." If you don't fight these people, who who can and who will? But but the reason why I stopped to interject to tell you that is when I saw what happened to George Floyd on TV, I had that feeling that, well, it's time for everybody to get on deck and see how we can make this thing move. Because it's time to make sure that, you know, now I recently had a boy, I had a son, you know, He's seven months old now. I mean, and maybe that affected how I am. But right now, I'm at the place where I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to do whatever is necessary. Actually, um, I'm not going to go and uh, burn down buildings and stuff because I don't. I don't think that that's right. I'm not. I'm not at peace with that. But for for those people that are at peace with that, if that will bring change, hey, 
the change is more necessary than target. Exactly. Yeah, and, and you know, we might it might be based on the times we're living in. That might be the most effective. I mean, optics are huge now. Um, visuals and viral videos and 30-second snippets are more powerful than they've ever been. Um, so maybe yeah. that is maybe that is the answer. I I personally I personally feel like conversations. I haven't seen a lot of them, and they for me they're they're the most effective. Yeah, the, the, but the problem with the conversations is the conversations stay, typically they stay very personal. Um, and ultimately, what, 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 where the change needs to happen the most is, is in a courthouse. It has to happen in the classroom. Um, and the thing is, is the, the people controlling these, the courthouse and the classroom, um, they're in D.C., or they're at the state capitals of, of right. the states, right? Um, and they haven't heard the conversations. They haven't heard, uh, you know, I mean, black folks been protesting since the 60s, right? And they haven't heard those messages or heard them loud enough to make the change come. So what happens is that has to escalate. So do you think that th there's going to be there's going to be some fallout from this on election day, right? I mean, I'm not even talking about Trump. I mean, whatever happens with Trump is Trump. But I, I just mean at the at the municipal level, at the state level, I think, don't you think that that's where this is going to probably have its biggest impact? I mean, I can I can see this turning into the way people vote. And I'm talking about, by the way, I'm talking about a lot of white people here. A lot of, yeah. a lot of what I see in social media is a, a very distinct change in people's perspective and even if it's not you know like i said before i think a lot of it's surfacey and shallow and i think a lot of it might be self-motivated so they perceive so they so they so that people perceive them to be woke or whatever yeah but i but i think that that's going to translate into the way they vote i do and that's where you know you're going to see the change that you're talking about yeah, yeah but but i tell you this 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 um this i don't think a police officer has ever been uh, charged this quickly ever, and and I, I, I tell you, I, I certainly not in Minnesota because when Amy Klobuchar was the prosecutor in Minnesota, she didn't prosecute one police officer for any bad action at all. So in fact, I think she, I think Chauvin even did something on her watch that she just didn't follow up with. If I, I, I could be wrong. I thought I read something. Yeah, she's ill-equipped. She's an ill-equipped person. But the point I'm trying to make is she, she wasn't charging anybody. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I think that part of these charges that happen, those people in the streets made that happen. The people in the streets That's here, true. people in the streets L.A., the people in the streets New York, people in the streets in Texas, people in the streets in Atlanta. So you don't need to fucking elect anybody. You don't need to elect anybody. You can make this happen. Them. Okay. Force them. And if, if, these people, if, if these people do not receive justice for what they did, then people should get back in the streets heavily, you know. Put put twenty five million people in the streets. I think that uh, not that you asked what my opinion is, but I, I I think if they don't, I mean, if he doesn't get as harsh a sentence as he possibly can, then then we're asking for we're asking for major problems. I, you know, it's like this this to me. You have to consider the optics. You have to consider. The environment you have to consider the politics when it comes to his sentencing. I don't. I, I know legal people and lawyers like to see things 
in a vacuum and they they're really good at using words to to you know frame things in a way that get people out of trouble or if you're a prosecutor yeah. get people in trouble yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't give a fuck about all that i don't give a fuck about precedent i don't give a fuck about all that when it comes to this case this this isn't this case is an animal like any like no other animal that we've ever seen and it all has to be considered and to me the book needs to be thrown at him and and you know the other three i think that at, at this point they're just charged with aiden and abetting or something but yeah it, it, if it if if these guys somehow walk out of a courtroom free, then we're fucked. Yeah. I mean, and I mean this. I mean, as society, we are. We're. But honestly, no matter what happens here, um, and I, I heard Keith, Keith Ellison say this in his press conference the other day, is the fight continues until we have a an equitable society. Until the criminal justice system is equitable, I mean, and when I say fight, I don't mean, I'm, like I said, I'm not condoning any illegal action. I'm not condoning looting and burning. And I'm not condoning that, but I understand it. I'm not condoning it, but I certainly understand it and I feel it within me. Like, you know, we gotta do, we gotta, we gotta do something significant, right? But, but, you know, my, like I said, my being has, has, more control. You're wise now. I, I thank God for that. But 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 the point is, is I think that the people are not going to have it anymore. And I think we've, we've gone to that tipping point um, that things have to happen. So we can do it in the voting booth. Unfortunately, the, the to me, the two parties, I mean, the difference between them is very small to me um, on this particular issue. The difference between them in general is very small. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're both being controlled by big business, right? right? I mean, let's be clear about it. They're not out here for common people. Know, they're they're being joke. They're, they're being bought by big business. Yeah, it's a joke. It's like you know what it is. It's like WWE wrestling. It's like, <laughs> like, like back when people back when people still pretended it was real or didn't want to talk about it being fake. Remember, like in the late '80s or '90s, yeah. it was like we all knew it was fake, but we still pretended it was real because it might go away. Yeah. It's like. That's what politics feels like to me now. It's all manipulated, but we still pretend like it's kind of real or something. It's fucked up. It, it really is. I mean, that's that's the change that needs to, you know, that's that's another rabbit hole we could go down. But, you know, money in politics and yeah. and 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 special interests and all that shit and how corrupt all that is. Like, if there was a way to, you know, figure that out and straighten that out. Um, I think things would be completely different. I really yeah. do. But oh, I mean, yeah. it's... But, but the thing is, is you, you've got a guy like, a guy like Bernie Sanders that he's really interested in doing that. Actually, a lot of people like his business, but um, the DNC doesn't want him at all because the DNC prefers to have a system of that money pouring in because mm -hmm. that's more money for their pockets. It's capital. Yeah. yeah. So and I guess... In a sense, capitalism does play a strong role in that. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a capitalist. I just yeah, so am I. <laughs> I, I'm lo I'm losing faith in it being like you know I like I like free markets, but if you fucking manipulate every market, then we're not talking about the same thing anymore. It's not then, free. Yeah. yeah, it's not a free market, and it means nothing. Then 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 the people who can manipulate are the only ones that are benefiting, and the rest of us are forced to play by the perception of a market, 
yeah. when it's not a market and, and, and it's like, okay, now I, I can't buy into this anymore. I can't buy into this anymore. But that, you know, that's another whole conversation too. Um, it'd be cool to have you on again. We, I mean, I would like to talk COVID with you because I have a feeling, I have a feeling that's going to be headline news again. But, you know? but not, only, not only that, I've actually been treating patients that are positive with COVID. I've been treating a lot of patients with, with like the upper respiratory symptoms. And I didn't test them though because although I had the kits to test right here in the office, I had kits, but I never did it because I didn't want to expose myself. But oh, yeah. But what I did is I I treated most of them through telemedicine. I just sent them to the pharmacy, and you know prescribed a few medications that worked out pretty good for me. Thus far, I'm grateful to, for that. But um, and I think the COVID virus is about um, I think the uh, society and this government as well has focused a lot on testing and that's not really my take and i think my take may be interesting but it's more to identify and to treat because i think that that period of waiting to test there's a of waiting for results there's a lapse um two three days at some times or um, instead of just treating as aggressively as possible with the symptoms how would you treat it? Well, I've been using a mixture of antivirals and antibacterials, as well as aspirin. And it's been effective? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? Now, like I said, there, was only, there were two patients that were actually positive that I treated that they were just basically sent home because the FDA hadn't approved anything for the coronavirus. Um, but then there's been about probably nine or ten patients that they just called me, you know, most of them in the city, but sort of called me and say, you know, I'm coughing and I lost my sense of smell and taste. And I said, okay, let's go to the pharmacy right now. I, I didn't even recommend them to necessarily go and find the test because that would require them to go to the emergency room. Right. And if they didn't have it, then it increased the risk of having it, um, et cetera. And they all did well. Is that a unique way of doing things, or is that is that something that a lot of doctors are doing? It's very different. I don't know anybody is else is doing it like really? that. Really? Nobody else is doing it like that. But I think it, it makes a lot of sense to me. And I think, you know, the, the problem with the healthcare system in here, which is usually not a problem, is a lot of physicians wait for literature. So, so they don't do things unless they have a lot of literature to back up, like, a lot of evidence to back up what they're doing by literature. And it happens to be like this because we live in a very legalistic society. So let's say I give one of these people something that the FDA has not approved to treat COVID virus and it turns out bad and they get a side effect and, you know, start bleeding in their lungs or they get a stroke or something like that. Um, their their family's going to take me to court. And when a family takes me to court, um, the the other lawyer is going to say, did you stick to the, I forgot the term they use, but it basically means the normal course of practice. Protocol. Yeah, normal. But they use a specific, yeah, you're right. Protocol is the right thing. But did you use the normal protocol and treatment and therapy? Did, you know, and so if you deviate from that, then you're putting yourself at legal risk. Mm-hmm. Um so, I think so that, why are you willing wait. to ri- why are you willing to risk that then? Because you believe in what you're doing, or you're just a rebel, uh, or what? Well, I think you know me a little bit. <laughs> but, but, but 
but I think it works. And I think the, the, the most important thing is to actually get early treatment, just like the flu, right? I mean, if you get the flu, they talk about you want to start the Tamiflu in the first 24 mm-hmm. hours if you can, and 48 right. hours if you do, you get the best results. It's the same thing with, with all viruses. If you, you know, if you do it earlier, you get better results. Secondly, I don't have much for people to sue me for, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay all right you understand yeah so, no that's all right we documented that so yeah there's nothing to sue for okay since i think i'm younger yeah <laughs> I, I, i'm younger and i don't have much to sue for. all right so. i understand <laughs> where are you where are you practicing medicine i don't even know where you're at oh i'm in edina okay i'm in edina um so if anybody hears this and is looking for are you general practice what are you yeah so so i'm board certified in family medicine um, and I'm doing something very unique because so I'm completely out of network. I don't take insurance for payment. I don't um, work with any system specifically. I typically see patients for services, particular services, or I have a subscription plan where people pay a certain amount a month, like $150 a month, and you have access to my care, my cell phone, my email, my visits in clinic, um, with no extra charge over the $150. Um, I also wholesale some medicines, so I have like antibiotics, wholesale blood pressure meds. So I'm really able to get medications for very low costs. Okay. I carry Viagra and Cialis for very low costs. <laughs> okay, yeah. So let me tell you something funny. Viagra was my number one sale for two years in a row. Can you believe that? I, I believe it. <laughs> I believe it. I, I, I yeah. think that's really ama- I think that's yeah. amazing. But it tells you a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think it does. And exactly what I think. I guess they're using it for their blood pressure, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> that was a that was a party drug in LA, just so you know. Yeah. Fifteen years ago when I lived there, yeah. An yeah, end of yeah. the end of the night party drug. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of yeah. course, of course. It was. Uh, it was bizarre. It was like uh, you had it was confidence in your pocket. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think so, you know, because if you use certain things, you have certain issues with yeah. directions and you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whiskey, called it. Yeah, yeah. So what is it? It's Imperial Health? Is that what it's called? It's called Imperial Health, without the I. So it's M-P-E-R-I-A-L-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com is the site. You should check it out, though. I'll I'll shoot you the link. Yeah, and if when I I post this, should I, I, you know, I can put on the screen, I think with, um, like, with my buddy Dan, I put his, his, uh, you know, I think it was his Instagram handle he wanted on there. If you want some kind of information on the screen, uh, I can put it in there as a little like lower third. Um, it can be your name. It could be, you know, what whatever you want. So if you want something on there, I can do that. So people, if they watch a clip or watch the whole thing or whatever, they can see, you know, something identifies you if you're interested in that. It's up to you. Yeah, we could definitely. Yeah, I'm down with that. I'm down. Or nothing. I can leave it. Nothing. I can leave it blank too, and just. But, and just... but, but I'll think. I'll think about that. And see how it works, and okay. I, I really want to see what you do. I'm afraid. I, I may, mean, you know, what I'm saying, uh, put my foot in the mouth with certain things. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I'm kind of used, used to that, though. Yeah. What I mean, would you be afraid of of, you know. I mean, if you say everything that's from your heart and honest, it's like at the end of the day, I mean, you know, obviously you don't want to cost yourself business, but I I don't think you said anything controversial. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I just can't remember exactly how I came across. But I did say what I said was um, 
was coming from, I was speaking my truth. And to a certain extent, I think everybody has that right. Um, so I'm not really afraid of it anyway and whatever. You know, so if, right. if, if, if I have fun, I mean, I'm definitely not trying to offend anybody specifically. But I do think, think people need to sometimes take a look at the way that they think and the way that we all live. I agree, and that, that's part of the reason I wanted. Yeah, and that's part of the reason why, why I wanted to talk to you. I've struggled the past week with trying to communicate, especially on social media, in a way that like addresses that I I like to think critically about things. Um, but I also social media is about gut punches. You, you have you have a very you have like 120 characters to make a point, and there's a at least for me there's a a tendency to try and go for the like the really impactful, snarky, quick comment that that doesn't contextualize anything, and it, it's I've I've I don't know I've lost a lot of Facebook friends this week because I've I've tried to I've tried to throw critical arguments out there that in a time when nobody really wants to do that it's like you're kind of either on one side or you're you're not and 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 maybe that's maybe that's the best way to approach it you know for somebody like me who likes to like. I do like to stir the pot sometimes, but I, I just like to think critically about things. And I've really struggled to do that in the last week. Um, and so having a conversation like this means a lot to me. I really appreciate you taking the time to do it. Um, you're a really smart guy and you know a lot about a lot of shit. And I don't know. I appreciate, I appreciate you giving me a platform to even fucking have this conversation so I can get better about not just my knowledge, my understanding, but getting better at communicating you know okay. what i'm saying but i you know think you saying? do a great job of communicating eric you really well, do you're, you're a super communicator and you're a smart a smart guy as well well this last week's been hard on me i lost a lot of facebook friends man but yeah but but, but, but that's all right you know what i'm saying you know a lot of people are uncomfortable being rattled like if you say something i hear people on facebook they're like you know somebody said something i didn't like I'm taking them off my French, my, I'm, I'm blocking them or whatever. Right. right. But actually, that's sad for you because you, now you have less input into your brain. Yeah, it's it, true. It's okay if people think differently. I mean, I actually have somebody, you know, a couple of people on my, my Facebook feed that are that are my Facebook friends that I can only I can only go back and forth with them for for a few. A few, yeah, uh, it gets it gets emotional. Yeah, it gets yeah, emotional. Yeah, it really yeah. does. It's an emotional time. It's okay, and everything will be okay. And I remember, I had I had this this guy one time told me this really bad news, and and I was hoping things would go better. And he was he he had he was in the position where he was receiving the news, and and he wanted to go better for me too, but it didn't. And I remember he talked to me. He said. Hey, Dr. Holder, I said, yeah. He said, you sound down. I was like, yeah, you know, whatever. Um, he said, but I want to tell you something. Everything is going to be okay. And I thought, and at the moment, I was like, I wanted to say to him, yeah, yeah, it's, it's easy for you to say because it's not you that this thing happened to. But but I kept my cool because he had enough power where you had to keep your cool. You know, right. you've got a few people in this yeah. world that, you know, you got to chill, chill out. So I said, I said, okay, I received that. I received that humbly. And, you know, a few months later, um, I realized that me not having that opportunity set me up for another opportunity that was much better for me. 
so it really was okay. And so when I see like things that happen, like this particular case is a great example of it. And I remember that when this first happened, I was really upset and you know whatever. And um, but as time has gone by, I've seen some of the consequence of me seeing what happened, and I do see some possible uh, positivity in. Right. Uh, what's going on? I do see some solidarity. I do see some, you know, people kind of standing up for what's right that some people I would never ex- expect it. Yeah, I know what um, you mean. You know, even when you look at those crowds in, in Minneapolis, it wasn't all black people. No, it sure wasn't. Actually, black people were the minority. They might have been. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, you yeah. know, there, there, at some clips, I mean, some areas, you know, right. it is what it is. But when, when there were other areas, even all across the country, there's areas where you see everybody standing up for a more just system. Mm-hmm. And and I'm afraid that it probably wouldn't have happened if people wouldn't have seen what they saw on right. on, on on their social media feeds. Yeah, and it right. probably wouldn't have happened if everybody was stuck home. <laughs> That's, COVID. Tr- I, I That's that true. That people I think I think hundred percent it did. Yeah, I think it's played it played a role. I think things come kind of came together. Yeah. To be like, we gotta do something. People were yeah. happy to be in the street. They they were. They've been the bottled up. Mm-hmm. They've been the first time they've been in the street for like three months. It's incredible. It's like a two-liter that had been shaken for two months and uncapped. And it was yeah. like, yeah, it was. It, I mean, it, it's going to go down as one of those seminal moments, I think, in our life. I mean, it just, it looks that way already. And it, there's no doubt we're going to remember it, you know, and sort of in that way. So it's kind of incredible to, to, to know that it's as important as it is in real time. You know, a lot of times these things, it's like after the fact, you realize it sort of. Yeah. And if you plan for it, a lot of times it doesn't live up to the hype. Yeah. So, so when it happens spontaneously, but you also know that it's as big a deal as it is, it's, mm-hmm. and you're old enough, by the way, to process it. You know, my, my 14 year old, it's like, I don't think he, he knows it's a big deal, but I don't think he quite understands the context, right? He hasn't lived long yeah. enough to understand yeah. or hasn't studied yeah. history enough. No. So we have this unique, we have the you, you, sort of a unique seat in a way for it. So yeah. it's yeah. been interesting. It's been interesting. And, it, and then when your boy becomes a man, things will be different. Too. For sure, for I'm sure. sure. I'm sure of that. So, so I want to tell you one quick thing before we close now. So when I was at, when I was playing football, the last time I played football was at Armstrong. Mm-hmm. And when I was playing football at Armstrong, I had two Stormones behind me. True. You know what I'm saying? I had, your brother was on my side because I, know. I think he was strong. And mm-hmm. then, and then, uh, and, 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 and you, I think you were free safety. Yeah, yeah I was, yeah. Um, so, so I was always proud to have two strong ones behind me then. And, 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 and now I have this conversation. I appreciate the fact that you kind of, um, you took this step to do this. And I think it's, it's really cool. It's really cool what you're doing. This platform is cool anyway. I appreciate um, you saying that, man. And, and you, you and I will have to talk about, um, how, how maybe I can get more involved in doing, uh, of some of that, um, but I'm just really pleased that you're doing this. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, man. I appreciate you saying that. I get goosebumps when we start talking about Armstrong football too. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I you do. Both, I, you both used to light them up too. 
I tried. We tried. Yeah. That's that's back when you could hit people. Well, you can't do that anymore. You both had had that light above. Nobody hit like you did though. That's still the hardest hit I ever took. Was like a sec was like a secondary blow on a tackle. I can't remember if it was practice or a game, but I had to come out with a stinger because how fucking hard you hit the ball carrier, you caught me too in the crossfire. That's oh, yeah. the hardest hit I ever took by far. So, um, yeah, I have big plans. I mean, you know, dreams about what 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 I could do with this, and it involves you know multiple shows and you know who knows sometimes i get ahead of myself with with ideas and stuff but i think it'd be cool if, if there was a way we could do something that was just yours by the way i don't it doesn't have to be me talking to you find a way for you to 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 use this platform to to advance what you know about you know medicine or health. or yeah. whatever yeah health and and, I'm and just very interested in, in tapping into more creative ways mm-hmm. to reach people to change lifestyles and i think platforms like this it's easier because you know you can explain you can talk um so yes i think that we'll definitely talk more and okay. i look forward to this power with you in general i love it man and let's hang out let's hang it's good to reconnect sure. and I, I hope like uh friendship rekindles from this so yeah absolutely all right mark I, I know your time is valuable so to give me two and a half hours is incredible i'm i'm indebted to you i appreciate it no it's been fun it's been okay. fun, and, and, and I hope that this thing does well too. I'd be probably gonna cut this part out, but no, no, I'm leaving it. It's all staying. That's the whole point of this. The whole point of this is it's organic conversation. You don't overproduce, yeah, yeah, well, so I'm but, leaving but it. I, but I, I think this this conversation is gonna do well. I think, and okay. your this this platform is gonna do very well. Cool, cool, it's, man. It's my feeling. I'm glad to be part of it. Thank cool. you. Thank you, Mark. All right, man. All right, we'll catch up. Right, Much love. You. Thanks, man. So, See ya. Slab content company.